Hello and welcome to The 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. I'm Ethan. Jared. And this week we're continuing our summer of 1999 season, taking a look at a movie that was, while technically produced and released in Italy in 1997, actually released in the United States in 1999 as part of their Oscar push. There are a lot of not really 1999 movies that we are in our 1999 season. season. That we're sort of folding in and sort of covering it. This is the 99 asterisk <laughs> season, season. in vertical yeah. commas, yeah. <laughs> Everything has a brackets after it. When we hit the Matrix, we're actually in 1999. No, this but a... <laughs> we're 200 years in the future. Um, well, it's depending the... on when you're listening to yeah, this. Yeah, they're, 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 they're only pretending to be in 1999 in the Matrix. Um, but yes, that's... <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Uh, but yeah, so to give a bit of context, uh, Life is Beautiful was went into wide release in America on the 12th of February, 1999. I'm sentencing you to 24 months in prison. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Not a patch. Not a gum. Instead, the first pill that is part of a comprehensive program from your doctor can help you quit smoking. I can feel something inside me say I really don't think you're strong enough, no. Guilty. Two-thirds of the senators present not having pronounced him guilty. The Senate adjudges that the respondent, William Jefferson Clinton, President of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the second article of impeachment. I want to say again to the American people how profoundly sorry I am for what I said and did to trigger these events and the great burden they have imposed on the Congress and on the American people. There's no greater experience than IMAX. To understand the Holocaust. Is and, it understandable? No, but if they'll be aware of it, they will be able to protect the world from not letting it happen again. And by understanding it a little bit, they will understand the, the magnitude of the horror that took place and understand that um, the people in it, uh, the sufferings of it, and uh, relate and uh, remember. And if they remember the Holocaust and understand it, they will never let it happen again. Angel of Mine by Monica is at number one, having just dethroned Baby One More Time. It'll be number one by the time we check in next week. Believe... What's number six? <laughs> Funny you should mention that, Andrew. I don't know off the top of my head because I haven't prepared that in my notes. Uh, Believe is at number two. Uh, it's planning a run on the, the top spot. By Cher? By Cher, yeah. It's, it's hoping to take that number one spot, but I'm, I'm not sure I believe that it's strong enough. Oh. Um, also, the top ten includes 
All I Have to Give by the Backstreet Boys and Heartbreak Hotel by Whitney Houston featuring Fate Evans and sh- Kelly Price. We should market this to people who were born that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just sort of like release your own podcast. Yeah, That's like a- very specific marketing. Yeah. For we- <laughs> people like 19, no, no, 20 year old people now. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And just sort of have like a, you know, sort of a, you can sponsor it. the Patreon. We should have a Patreon where we do this for, for listeners. Yeah. Um, we'll, also- we'll do the week you were born and cover a movie. <laughs> um, I believe it's also President's Day weekend in the States. So, IMAX is having a boom at the box office. T-Rex Back to the Cretaceous Period is number one at the box office. Africa's Elephant Kingdom, uh, an IMAX movie, is at number four. Everest in IMAX is at nine. I believe that's I the saw one that. Where, yeah, I saw that one too. That's the one with Liam Neeson narrating, right? Oh, was I remember it? correctly? I think it is. I, 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 don't, I don't recall the narrator. Oh. I, do, I do remember the, the uh, IMAX, though, in, in the, um, in the, the Parnell Cine, Street. Cineworld now. Yeah, yeah. Parnell Street, the, the centre. The screen actually seemed bigger than it is. And now. they had the 4 or 5D thing, the uh, kind of roller coaster as well. Yes, and the, <laughs> those were four innocent times. Um, in terms of other stuff that's happening at the box office, Awards Fair is storming the charts. Affliction, starring Nick Nolte, who would pick up a supporting actor nomination for his work in it, is at number three. And Children of Heaven which is on the 250, but because I completely forgot that it was actually released in America in 1999, is not being covered as part of the season, is at number five. Um, in terms of international news, uh, on February 10th, at the 49th Berlin International Film Festival, Thin Red Line won the Golden Bear. On January 24th, uh, Saving Private Ryan won the Best Picture of the Golden Globes, and so the awards race is kind of shaping up. On February 11th, you know, while it was still a planet, Pluto moved along its eccentric orbit further from the sun than Neptune, it had been nearer than Neptune since 1979 and will become near again in 22... What? 2231. Like, that's Pluto news. It's not even a planet, Darren. <laughs> Sorry, it was just in my orbit when it came to sort of picking out the headlines of it for the time. Um, on February 12th, Bill Clinton will be acquitted of impeachment proceedings in the US Senate. Family Guy premiered on the 31st of January and in news perhaps, maybe without getting too spoilery related to the movie we're about to discuss... Holocaust denier Frederick Tobin, an Australian who claimed to be the most qualified bus driver in Germany, is awaiting sentencing on, on trial for Holocaust denial in Germany. And the Irving versus Penguin Books libel case is currently on Australian ongoing. or Austrian? He's, he's Australian. Which oh. is, I, I, no, I, I, I had to double check that as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it was a... an Irish name as well. How unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so today we're going to be discussing Roberto Benigni's uh, 1997 and also 1999 movie Life is Beautiful. And to join us for that discussion, uh, we invited on Jer and Ethan. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Um, you guys here. co-host another podcast called Disconnected Talk, I believe. That's yeah. It, yeah. Um, and you guys kind of cover sort of broad kind of political discussions, isn't it? So it just... We get into politics a lot, yeah. But we, it, generally speaking, we're just kind of open to having kind of in-depth conversations about the kind of stuff that comes into the light that given week like for me which crosses over into like you know i guess kind of culture politics and things in the news in the kind of generic sense yeah and i mean it does it kind of it crosses over and it's quite free-flowing in its kind of structure but i mean also i think in its content and i mean it actually focuses on the kind of u.s and european kind of thing but it's global in its own way but i mean i mean yeah, I think that's I kind mean, of hard to, it's what an amorphous kind of thing we have going here but i mean it's because their interest started with like the US and then it kind of spread it over to the UK and then Europe and actually finding my way back to Ireland in the end. So it's very <laughs> full As circle. Yes, yeah. 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 Parochial kind of disease there. The yeah. gravity. Yeah. 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 Ireland, the cultural hub of, yeah. yeah. There's no escaping Ireland when you talk about these sort of things. 
but no, th- thank you very much for joining us. We kind of, we wanted to do something together. Um, and we kind of, we got discussing about possibilities of films that we like to discuss. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of those films we'll be discussing later in the year, probably around October-ish. And I'm very excited to be talking about that one. I think we're going to have a U-ball with that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when we first suggested something, you guys had come back to us with, uh, I think it was Hotel Rwanda, was something that you mentioned on the list would be the kind of film that you would want to talk about. I thought that idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... We had already covered Hotel Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, it had degenerated into a series of Nick Nolte impressions because it's just impossible not to. Again, like Ireland, it exerts a certain gravity. Uh, but when this came it's up... It's a movie I... that we had to take very seriously. There's like, <laughs> will there be any lightness yeah. Yeah. In, in this hour and a half? It's like, oh, thank hey, you. Uh, thank you, Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> thank um, you for being you, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so when Life is Beautiful came up, I thought it would be an interesting one for us to, to discuss with you guys. Had anybody here seen Life is Beautiful before? Well, no. I mean, th- this is the thing. I mean, I haven't seen it before. It was so, so first time seeing it today. I've, I remember kind of, kind of in hindsight, seeing the kind of Oscar buzz around Benini. And I think in particular, his, the Oscar is that year, his presence, which is quite um he Memorable. famously he famously clambered yes. over the seats to get to the podium to accept his best actor Oscar. I think Harvey again Harvey Weinstein, who we're probably gonna have to talk about once or twice in this podcast, described seeing him climb over Billy Bob Thornton as one of his abiding memories of being he at did the it, Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the famous I use up all of my English yeah, yeah, um, yeah. after winning the foreign film uh, Oscar. I'm not sure if it's racially insensitive or just an accurate quote that I just made there. Uh, <laughs> both perhaps. I don't both. Know. It, it can be two things. Um, you're, what you're an accurate racist <laughs> well we'll get to that in a moment okay. um, but you hadn't seen the film before I haven't actually no and I mean it's funny because I saw his, that kind of video of clipping him at the Oscars and seeing his kind of high energy I wasn't surprised to see that that really is kind of a reflection of really kind of how he is in this film and how it's driven mm. because I mean, I mean this was his his whole baby I mean he made it basically he started in it so we can see his kind of energy you know, which kind of drives the dialogue, even the script, and the humor as well, which at times comes across, I thought, a bit like kind of Faulty Tower sometimes, kind of John Cleese type humor. But I mean, it's he's quite a high spirit guy, and you can see why he won it. But I mean, you can see how his kind of humor is a big part of him, you know? And yeah, it wasn't your It's very kind either. of broad. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the famous story about Spielberg, who was, again, like, because this was part of the award circuit and you had all the films that were in contention, mm-hmm. obviously, famously, Shakespeare in Love would be the film that would take the Oscar mm-hmm. for 1998. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms of contention, there was a lot of debate around stuff like Terence Malick's, as we mentioned earlier, The Thin Red Line, but even Spielberg with Saving Private Ryan, which we discussed earlier in the year. But the Spielberg would, and I suspect only half-jokingly, complain that he was always queued up after Benini at these events. Whenever they do the awards dinners and the awards speeches and the awards presentations, mm-hmm. uh, when you had to make a case or an argument for your movie, Spielberg always complained that he had to follow Benini because Benini was apparently an irresistible presence in person, as you might well imagine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it was. I mean... Okay, so that'll be daunting stuck in that shadow for something. <laughs> it's a bad thing to follow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this time, lads. <laughs> <laughs> An Italian Furby is apparently how Steven Spielberg described Benini at one point. I mean, is that I know, did people know what a Furby was in 1999? I think, I think it was a much more topical yeah, reference yeah, yeah. Then, then. Yeah. Yeah. An Italian oh, yeah, Furby. It made sense then, you know, but I mean, now it's a bit more uh, complex to describe. But, yeah, in terms of in terms of like Benini's presence in inverted commas, at the DGA Awards show, he danced on stage um, and he shouted, he shouted, I can't believe I won. I am full like a watermelon. Actually, he hadn't won. Spielberg had won. Uh, but the Italian comedian had nonetheless stormed the stage anyway. 
um, at the Screen Actors Guild earlier that month, where he was na- he was named Outstanding Lead Actor. He raced the stage, picked up the trophy girl, spun her around, screamed Mamma Mia, threw his arms around presenter Helen Hunt, lifted her off her feet and twirled her around as the crowd kind of erupted in applause. He said he was so shocked by his unexpected win that, and I quote, every organ in my body is moving in a very bad way. That is quite horrifying. <laughs> but, but actually, also, apparently at the Cannes Film Festival, so he won the Grand Jury Prize, and apparently he kisses the feet of then-president or a Grand Jury or whatever it is, which was then Martin Scorsese. He did indeed. Apparently He's... he actually kissed his feet, which is a thing. So this is a consistent pattern of behaviour from this guy who was very much consistent in his, in his kind of... Uh, Emotive Kinetic displays. energy. <laughs> yeah, emotive displays. Well, famously, it was accepted at the last minute at Cannes as well, which okay. is why why the jury prize yeah, was yeah. such a surprise. He managed to just about sneak it in there, uh, which is quite impressive as well. Famously, Benini would follow this with what is perhaps known as one of the great vanity projects, um, in which 50-year-old Roberto Benini starred, wrote, and directed Pinocchio, where he played the puppet. I mean, <laughs> in a way, it makes somewhat some sense I don't know I feel like I can imagine him in that I feel like Jared Jared doesn't yeah, make a lot of sense your eyes are just like you know, why why yeah. do you think this works that's odd decision well, but yeah I mean that's so that was his second second thing I mean I I can't imagine it did too well but I mean I didn't well, I'm not I'm not a I wasn't aware so of it. I'm a little out of my element I'm well versed <laughs> in the Pinocchio incarnations but yeah, well, it was, yeah, yeah. thank it was, you it's good to have you I, I, I am too but like every week yeah. <laughs> I mean the, the famous story about Pinocchio is that apparently the the Miramax uh, which was which would become the Weinstein Company had greenlit it based off the strength of this oh. when they yeah so when, they, like, when he, they saw what Benini presented of them to of Pinocchio apparently they cut it down they removed 40 minutes from it stuck a terrible English dub on it oh, no. and released it on Christmas Day without screening for the critics, which is again, which is something that's very... That's a cocktail of opposition <laughs> yeah. there, you know. Benini was probably like, I've been wanting to do this for since it made sense for me to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like For this the last the 35 years, I've wanted to make this movie. And all of the good times for me to have done it have passed. But I'm going to do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Now that I have the money, uh, which is the one thing that I didn't have. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's worth noting that Benini himself actually was a huge box office draw in Italy. Um, he'd starred in a number of comedies that had done very, very well. And he was a beloved kind of national son. In fact, there are stories about people in Italy staying up until 4 or 5 a.m. on the morning of the Oscars to watch his acceptance speech and sort of like cracking open the champagne in the streets and stuff like that. Um, he but, was a hero, yeah. And apparently, I think it was ultimately the, the most watched uh, TV uh, film from Italy, watched on TV in Italy, apparently. So, I mean, it did well domestically. And he, as himself, was a kind of figurehead, I guess, because he's so charismatic, you can tell. And I can see why he translates to both languages, probably, you know. Yeah. It's worth noting, by the way, that his leading lady in this is actually his wife in real life. Yes, apparently. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and she stars in all of his films as well. Um, so, you know, apparently that, that carries over to, to real so, life as well. Nic- Nicoletta Bracci? Yeah. Uh, am I saying that right? <laughs> why are you why asking, why are you why asking Darren? Don't no, verify here. Darren right? is like... <laughs> why, why would you ask this? Put it in in post. <laughs> we'll just sort of jump it on there to come You're in. slightly off. Yeah, just, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, so... Obrowski. That was the I think CH in in uh, Italian is a K sound. Okay. Like uh, 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 a like, Yeah, 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 apparently. Yeah, that's something I know. It's a food-related kind of knowledge that I have. Yeah, yeah. I have to know. So... Jer, you had not seen this before, have you? No, I've never seen this before. Had you heard about it before? No, um, actually, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of odd because obviously uh, I have a lot of interests, that would, including Italy, which would draw me in that direction, oh. but I've never actually heard of this kind of movie before. Brilliant movie, I thought as well. Like, it was a completely different take on 
what it's that about. Era. Yes, yeah. uh, that era in question. Yeah, it's interesting take. Yeah. I suspect we're going to have to dance like lightly, like around like Benini himself, just for until we get to the spoiler zone about mm. this. Because I was actually, I mean, do we? I do, sure, it, it's is, hard to know is, what to is, draw. Yeah, yeah, like how um, is it a spoiler? I mean, is it the premise of the movie yeah. or is it is is it a spoiler? Is it like I think it's more twist? like the 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 premise that it, that it, that that. That's the thing is that I knew about this movie as what it was. I guess fine, fine. We're, we're going to say it. It's a Holocaust movie. It is. Um, I knew about this as a Holocaust movie before I saw it for the first time. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched it, it would have been about 10, 15 years ago. And it would have been like, this isn't really a Holocaust movie for the first hour. And then not, bam. Not, but, not in the way that Star Wars is a Vietnam movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually yeah. a Holocaust yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Dude, just, like, just in case people think that we're stretching. Yeah, just a little bit. I, mean, like, I, I knew it was, but I mean, it, I took a while. I was quite surprised to get into that. I mean, there's qu- it was quite subversive in that it was... Kind of, you could see bits. It, it was holding on for a long time, and then like kind of feeding you kind of bits and nuggets of information, which kind of implied that there's some kind of bad thing coming, and then obviously ultimately led to that. But I mean, it was quite holding off for probably the first hour at least. I think into that, you know, yeah. I took it took a while to kind of like. It's um, very much a game of two two halves. Definitely, yeah, it's quite loaded in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess before we jump into the spoilers, we're going to ask sort of three questions. Um. So Ethan, do you want to go first on this? So. Do you think that Life is Beautiful belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? I think probably yes. I mean, the way it's made is very kind of like, in a kind of skilled way, it's quite executed well. Um, I think that the kind of topic is, t- is kind of tackled in a different way, which is, I think, unique and original in that kind of big genre. And I think that performance-wise, not just Benini, but I mean, everyone around him, um, it's, it's quite well acted, even though it's, it's, it's quite subtle in some ways too. Um... But the way it's done in most aspects that I can see is well-made. And I was saying, yeah, I mean, in this kind of genre, which you can kind of classify as a genre now in this case, kind of Holocaust films, um, it belongs towards the top. And I think overall it does too. So, yeah, on that basis, immediately I would say it does belong in that top list. And Jer? Um, yeah, like as in, obviously my depth movie knowledge isn't as broad as Ethan's, but I would say the same thing only on the basis that obviously it's quality movie in and out uh, in general terms what I mean so far as like the topic you're taking and the way you're approaching it and like the way that they like I can't imagine having to break that down and be like how do we find the humor mm-hmm. in this and how do we mm-hmm. find like that looks difficult I imagine that's yeah. very difficult to do so uh, it's really impressive and like like that they pulled the way they pulled it off it's very impressive like you kind of expect the the cheery aspect of it to kind of fade as the movie goes yeah it kind of yeah. keeps in the manner to be I don't know how to put it Apparently, apparently it all originated uh, one night in 1995 with Benini and his co-writer Vincenzo uh, Ceremi, um, who were basically saying, what is the most impossible mo- thing to make a joke about? Mm-hmm. And they landed on the Holocaust and yeah. Benini just sort of riffed on it. And that, that is how you ended up with the kind of movie that they did. Um, Benini actually started by standing up and improvising a scene try- of a father trying to reassure his son in a concentration camp. And you can see how the movie sort of extrapolated from that starting point. Yeah, it's a brilliant approach as well, I'd say, because, I mean, if you were just a guy trying to make a laugh of it, it would come across, I'd say, really badly. Like the idea of having to explain it to your child and kind Sounds of like playfulness in it. Yeah, it's a much better way to, I think, approach the, the issue and kind of... I don't know, I watch a lot of these kind of stand-up comedy guys where they break down really difficult kind of, how to do difficult humour stuff that people wouldn't like, quite resonate with a crowd. And this is like, you see the perfection in the way they like, uh, they know they have to take a certain approach, otherwise they're going to alienate a ton of their audience. It's really yeah. interesting to see how they 
how they do that. And I mean, this is along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of like, you know, they probably were, like, as in, I'm just riffing now, as in, I wouldn't know for sure. But, like, as in, when I see people talking about these kinds of things, it seems to be like, how do we get into this and how do we find the humor in it and kind of walk people through it it's delicate. and let them enjoy it, even though it's such a delicate subject and such a difficult subject that loads of people, you know, such a difficult subject for loads of people to talk about. So, uh, I but think it works here, you know? Yeah, they did it really well here. It's a great it's kind of tonal balance because it's also heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, 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 the whole way through as well as being, um, uh, being funny and, 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 and being kind of like, light and broad and a real kind of uh, people pleaser of the movie it's also um tragic andrew actually this sort of so what about yourself would do you think it belongs on that yeah no i i i um i'm 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 not i am quite happy for this to be on 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 under 250 i i thought um it was yeah that was very funny that's um that was incredible um performance from roberto benini um uh, and from uh, Nicoletta Brasky uh, to, to answer the question the child as well yeah, yeah. to answer the question because like, this came up last week when we talked about American History X right? yeah and Charlene Lydon was very much of the point of view that Ed Norton had his Oscar stolen by Benini. right and Charlene is not here but I'm going to put the question to you I... having watched the two performances relatively close together um they're very different um, I, uh, um, I feel like you could almost yeah. put them in the same movie, some, though. Some, some crossover. <laughs> yeah, topics, some you know. crossover elements He's, there. Different viewpoints. Uh, Ed, Ed Norton. You know, you're going to come at it from a different angles, perspective. Especially yeah. Ed, mind, Ed Norton in the first part of American Ang. <laughs> yeah. One of those guys who yells. Um, <laughs> very mean. Very mean guy. Um, he really wants that tank. Yeah, no, I, 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 I would kind of give it to... Um, Ed Norton, but but like the these awards are ridiculous, yeah. and so is any award, and, the and so is the award, IMDb you know, two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So is his podcast, yeah. but also so is life. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point in any of this? Very deep, very moving movie. We just watched very life affirming. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, I think that's something that I'll speak about in the other side of the spoiler zone. Is that there are points to things? <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely points. Yeah. Um, I'm. Apparently, the dissenting voice on this podcast. I you wouldn't put on. I wouldn't the put this on the two fifty. I think that yeah, this is probably going to get rather complicated. When we talk about the movie in depth, but I think that there are better movies that sort of tackle this subject. I don't have a problem with say the use of humor or levity to explore important issues. In fact, like the fact that say the Great Dictator is a big touchstone for this, which is mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin's booping Hitler. Yeah, uh, to pick an example, so it can be done. It just for me it doesn't get the balance perfectly right um and particularly at key moments but we'll talk about those in the spoiler zone and so i think that i you know i mean schindler's list is on there i absolutely love schindler's list being a on very there. funny movie um hilarious um <laughs> the hilarious yeah. schindler's list yeah. um, that was the real sort of what what should <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah sorry um, the great dictator was probably made a little late though so they said about it is 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 that it would have uh, been Change a better piece, piece of satire if it if it um, uh, came out when it was originally kind of conceived, yeah. rather than kind of waiting um, when it was kind of uh, everybody already was not on. funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean I would argue even like the pianist is on there, although that's going to be a big barrel of monkeys to talk about yeah. uh, because of Roman Polanski. But I think the pianist mm-hmm. as a Holocaust movie is very very effective. Yeah. And I think there's lots of other stuff like Son of Saul as well, for example. This doesn't quite 
work for me. I think it's better than, say, Jacob the Liar, to pick a contemporaneous example of a movie. Again, 1999, full of movies about fathers lying to their sons about the Holocaust. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that in the spoiler zone. Um, but yeah, I, it just it doesn't click for me. And then I guess the next question, uh, Ethan, is would it be on your own personal 250? Now, I know you've just watched this. Mm-hmm. And I know that you probably don't even have a personal that, 250. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a list, a kind of a, you know, a sorted list of your favorite movies of all time. But would this be for you personally? How would this sort of... I think possibly no, because, again, the, the kind of Holocaust theme of films is, I think, quite saturated in general. So I've kind of, like, become a bit more desensitized to how it kind of comes across. Um, but, I, I mean, in terms of actually kind of going along and kind of, like, taking this on with kind of a new kind of humorous viewpoint, that kind of puts it into good books in some ways for me. But, I mean, again, the balance is not quite there, I think, in terms of, like, balancing dark content with a humorous kind of, I guess, outlook. But uh, yeah, I, I think that it's it's difficult to point out a certain aspect of why it would stick out so much in a positive way, even though I think it was well made in, in every aspect. Um, but I wouldn't. I think that it's it doesn't stand out in enough ways that I want it to, I think. But For your own list. For your own personal list. My own personal list, yeah. 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 And Jer, what about yourself? I know, being the, the requisite non-movie guy... Yeah, you know. I was about to say, I'm not even sure if I have 250 movies. Oh, we, we don't either. Yeah. <laughs> it's the unspoken sort of dirty secret of the podcast. We don't actually know anything about movies. Um, you know something about uh, movies, Darren. I have a Google. Um, and have written books. Fair point. Um, but anyway, sorry. About movies. <laughs> um, well, I, well, I really enjoyed it, so I suppose, yeah, like as in... I, it's hard to say, because you're listing off uh, these other movies based around the same time with the same kind of with similar premise which not the same kind of premise yeah. yeah which I haven't seen so I'd have to you know what I mean this is the problem yeah. I'd have to is look. it better than this movie you haven't seen yeah it's oh, hard to answer the question yeah. <laughs> it's hard, it's no do over um, but I enjoyed it like as in and the other thing is I don't watch many uh, foreign films which actually I did briefly because we were studying in college studying Chinese watched a few Chinese foreign films and they were when you get into it it's actually really good like, it's quite interesting to watch mm-hmm. But then I never really, really got into it about looking abroad and looking at other countries. So um, I very, very rarely watched foreign films. So like, as in, it's top-notch film as far as I'm like, it's a, it's a quality film. I enjoyed it, uh, especially as a foreign film for me, which I don't normally watch. I suppose. Oh no, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast where I think one of my blind spots is foreign film. I'm not nearly as versed as I as I should be. But Andrew, what about yourself? Yeah, we, we well, yeah, we we uh, not so long ago did Three Colors Rouge. Um, yes, yes uh, sorry, <laughs> Three Colors Rouge, <laughs> the perfect combination. Trois Colors Rouge or Three Colors Red. <laughs> three Colors <laughs> Red. Dealers yeah, Jones. yeah. Um, um, best of both worlds. And I said, kind of like, if I were to have like a subset of uh, um, of uh, movies that we cover that are the foreign language movies, that it would kind of go above um battle of algiers but below like the lives of others and, yeah mm-hmm. uh, sort of, secrets in their eyes yeah i love so, that andrew's like the 250 list doesn't matter but i prepared several alternative subset lists <laughs> so I, I i don't know if i'd put it on mine um but i i, I might i might kind of put it around where um i know i know uh, uh three colors red is 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 probably uh, uh more regarded in some kind of 
um, in some sort of art, circles. Art, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we considered about, I mean, more sort of artsy, whereas this is sort of yeah. We talked about three colors red being very popular with I think Peter Bradshaw described as the dinner party set. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. this is the popcorn set. Is Those were pretensions yeah. of yeah, 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 um, yeah. the yeah. white wine Pinot Grigio. But it, the yeah, movie snob. <laughs> and but it's also kind of the um, the Italian movie for the the broad audience, and you have to give. Um, credit to uh, Miramax if not to Weinstein (laughs) very um, carefully it's very handy that they hadn't yet renamed themselves so we can just talk about Miramax exactly yeah but but um for for bringing these movies to 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 a to to mass audience yeah because this was one of the most successful foreign films at the american box office ever um it's one of the highest grossing films never to break the top five of the u.s box office it just hung around for months and months and months i think it climbed to number eight the weekend of the oscars possibly as well Mm. uh which is quite impressive um but yeah i mean people went um hope (laughs) <laughs> hoping to see some vintage Jimmy Stewart. Oh, come on now. Hold on there. Oh. Oh. Oh, wait a second now. Stranger Moon. Um, Tank, I tell we'll, you. We'll, we'll set up an, our own anvil factory. Um, we'll put a little lasso around it. Uh, anyway. Sorry. Um, deviate a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't make my own list either. I... This, I fear, is very similar to how the uh, Cinema Paradiso thing went down. Mm. The real question is after the spoiler zone. After, after the question about <laughs> um, what what the movie meant to... Um, whoever uh, it is we're whoever asking. Whoever it is we're asking. You'll have to wait to find out. Um, which brings us on to... The almost, final question. Yes, our uh, ultimate question. Which is like, if listeners have not seen Life is Beautiful, would you recommend that they pause the podcast, run out, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest of the discussion? I think yes, because you have to have a kind of fresh pair of eyes. I mean, even still now, it's still not fully ingrained in my mind, in my mind because it's still kind of sinking in. I think so, because it's part of the whole thing is it's it's quite revealing in many ways, in many different parts, which I didn't quite expect. So I think going in with kind of like blind eyes is actually helpful in this in this context. So I would do so personally. And sure. Yeah, well, I definitely recommend slipping out and watching it uh, for the enjoyment aspect of it i don't think i i think it's hard to spoil it as well though like for mm. kind of a modern audience in the sense not modern audience but like the kind of movies we're watching nowadays yeah. do you know what i mean it's hard yeah. to spoil it for anyone I, like that for me is completely yet yeah, left field I, I wasn't expecting that kind of you know the, the pivot that it takes yeah, in half point, which the way, kind of already the way it operates yeah, throughout yeah. like as in it's it's, a big change yeah it was yeah it was, it was, so it was really interesting definitely worth the watch i think you could spoil it and still not spoil it in a manner of speaking as well you know yes I mean? yeah and I, I get like it's an important movie to watch in that sort of context. So if oh, you're, yeah. that, that if you're thinking about um, um, watch watching a movie like this, yeah. And um, I mean, it, it's also it, it's good to know what it is. It's good. yeah. Um, it's also I, I suspect maybe good to know not to know what it is as well, so that it catch you off guard. I think as well, not that it catches you completely off guard because of the way it's set up. I mean, it's very. It's not. It's clear in hindsight where it's going, even if the extremes to which it goes, I, I don't think are entirely obvious in the first mm, half. Not yes. to me, no. But I mean, it, it, it drops hints though in certain yeah. ways, even like in certain areas, like education, for example, and yeah. the arts. Yeah. For me, I saw, and the um, the even with the, with our colors as well. I thought the use of black was quite interesting. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not. It it caught me off guard in a few ways, even though I knew in general what it, what it would reveal or what, how it would go in a kind of uh, a kind of plot sense. So it wasn't that way. Yeah, quite interesting, and exciting. No. All right. And Andrew, would you recommend people watch it? 
I would. I I enjoyed this a great deal. Um, and I would say to people before, yeah, before listening on, um, I know how much our listeners enjoy <laughs> our <laughs> listening to Irish us, accent, but please, yeah. Yeah. please have some restraint. Go and see the movie <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be here. We'll always we'll be. be here. And what about you, Darren? Uh, yes, I think, like, again, for all that I'm cynical about this and for all that I would describe this. If you're not recommending people watch the movie <laughs> before listening to the podcast, is like, don't watch the movie and but listen don't anyway. listen to yeah, the Don't podcast. listen at all, yeah. <laughs> Turn off now. now. Go no, outside. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Save yourself. Um, no, no, I mean, like, this is the thing, is that I would describe this like it wouldn't be my own, on my own personal 250. And it reminds me a lot of, say... What I describe as the postcard art house, um, which we had a discussion about. Cinema Paradiso is the other big example. And I feel mm-hmm. bad that this I'm taking more, on two Italian. more women. kind of important, though, than, than Cin- Cinema Paradiso, I guess. But I think, as, you know, as, I think uh, sorry, I think emotionally, Paradiso kind of was a bit more effective with me because it had a kind of quite a strong amount of score. And this had a good score, but I mean, it wasn't quite as. It uh, doesn't have any Marconi. Me, which for me is a massive. Yeah, Marconi's influence is definitely evident there. But I mean, this is good how it sounded, but I mean, for me, it can make or break a film or even like elevate it to new, even perhaps sometimes undeserved heights. So, I mean, that kind of was a big interesting oh, We talked about The there. Mission, I think, is one of those films that we've talked about where the score yes. is... Again, Marconi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. score is like a solid star on its star it's there forever, for yeah. me, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool, that's grand then. All right, with that in mind, then, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So, Jer, having apparently been pushed forward, um, <laughs> what is Life is Beautiful about for you? Oof. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say because it is such a lighthearted... Well, not such a lighthearted movie. <laughs> 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 it's such, all the way through. It's such an it attempt. Is, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the kid gets his tank. Um, it's, the context of the movie isn't lighthearted. No. But, the, but, the, but like the, within the like kind of world of of um, that uh, that Guido is presenting, yeah, it's it's very important that it stays lighthearted. That's and I think that's kind of the central like is in. With regards to the spoilers, you kind of get an idea of where it's going as the movie progresses. You just don't know how far. So yeah, um, so listeners have already watched the movie, so you could say yeah, with regards to well, concentration camp and stuff. Right, like yeah. That, so yeah. you're watching and you see um, the horse has been painted in the you know there's obvious stuff that's going yeah. on. Caballero Abreu. Yeah, know, a yeah. warning Jewish horse. Yeah, so you, yeah. you know where it's a going. Strong green, which is quite you know, it's quite. Security oh, like yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah, it's such a weird one. It feels kind of um uh like 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 uh um like it's out of out out of out of place. Well it's like something uh, from the Wizard of Oz almost. Yeah, it's a yeah, horse yeah. of a different colour. <laughs> the horse um, child catcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, not not at all like that. <laughs> um yeah, so no the thing the thing that was most interesting to me was can they maintain it's like, how is he going to react to it, basically, is what you're asking yourself the whole time. It's, can they maintain the kind of lighthearted approach with the kid and and the wife um, throughout the course of the movie? That was what I found most interesting. Uh, because, I don't know, we, we talk, you see, we talk a lot about um, dicey kind of topics, controversial yeah. stuff. Mm. And you, and you realise a lot nowadays that there's a lot more kind of tension in the air with a lot of things that you can and can't talk about and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so for yeah. me, something like that is like, it's a real... Hits the nail real on the head in terms of uh, 
you can talk about things that are really dicey, really dark, in an edgy... It's kind of weird. It's hard to explain. That's why I always found the comedy aspect of it so interesting. It's like the way you go into it, the way you talk about it, the way you break it up, you can talk about these controversial kind of things and it kind of highlights that. And it's hard for me to put it into words. I mean, um, I'm beating around it, but I can't quite hit the nail of what I'm saying. It's worth noting one of the big controversies around the film when it was released was the question of making a comedy about the Holocaust. It's go. it's worth noting that there's, and again, you know, comedy inverted commas, it is very funny. I'm not sure if you class it as a comedy rather than a film with elements of comedy. But it, it's worth noting that, like, there is a history of, uh, particularly of Jewish comedians, uh, making fun of the Holocaust and yeah. using was it as a joke. Was there a to... Jerry Lewis? Yes, we're going to get to that in a moment. Um, thanks for failure. spoiling the bit that I'm building to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but like, this is the spoiler zone. This is the spoiler zone, including spoilers and stuff that we're talking about. But like, to give a sense of context, like, even during the Holocaust itself, um, there was the uh, Vilna uh, ghetto in Lithuania maintained its own theatre up until liquidation. Um, and in that theatre, the Jewish uh, residents of the concentration camp put on plays. And those plays would mock the Nazis who were oppressing them. In fact, often to the faces of, of the Nazis themselves who were conducting yeah. that. Um, and it was controversial even they then. They were just glad to get parts in the play. <laughs> Those Nazis were just very, very thankful. They were happy. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I'm getting recognition. <laughs> yeah, um, so you're a true buffoon. Yeah. In this role. Yeah. You'll be making most of the pratfalls. Daughter, daughter I, I, the people I work with every day are so proud that they put me in their play. Uh, what do they have you doing? Never mind, that's not important. They put me details. in their play. Yeah, details. <laughs> But um, apparently even back then there was controversy uh, because there was this argument within the Jewish community itself with the elders who would hand out pamphlets uh, in the ghetto beforehand saying, don't go to this. It's not, you know, you shouldn't make a laughter of, what is yeah. Yeah, of what's happening, even mm. within the Jewish community yeah. and stuff like that. Um, Which is, it's like, sorry, I, I, I guess we'll, 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 we'll probably talk about it, but it, it seems to be um, uh, almost a denial that there are different ways to process uh, grief yeah, well, I mean, it's Henry Bulaco, the, the Jewish writer, um, noted, asked, if Jews were deprived of the power to laugh at their own distress, what will be left of them? And there's a Yiddish proverb which states, laughter is heard further than weeping. Um, which is yeah. true. I think, I think part of the issue was, in general, with even now so these days, it isn't just how you tackle, the, how you tackle kind of like dark content and your license to do so. It's if you can do so while not yourself being part of that group who's suffering. I think part of the yes. discussion was that Benini himself was, I think, a genteel class. Yeah. He wasn't actually a Jew who had family yeah. in the Holocaust that were killed. So I think people like Mel, Mel Brooks, for example, were saying, well, on, on this basis, he can't kind of use that. And like, you know, essentially like you use that for his humor, even though he himself has no personal connection to that. So I think it's, it's about, in some way, like, you know, the response is in the absence of his kind of uh, Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish heritage, can he use that and like tackle this topic, even though he's not like you know condoning or condemning it? He's using that kind of in a very specific way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's who he is and how he can do the humor in that way. I There's actually the a quote here from Brooks in in the Spiegel, and he says yeah, that you know yeah. I always ask myself, tell me, Roberto, are you nuts? You didn't lose any relatives in the Holocaust. You're not even Jewish. You don't really understand what it's all about. The Americans were incredibly thrilled to discover from him that it wasn't all that bad in concentration camps after all, and that's why they immediately pressed an Oscar into his hands. Uh, that's Mel Brooks. Which is cool. harsh, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's worth hard. noting that Mel Brooks also made Blazing Saddles, uh, and he's, you know, not an African-American, to pick an example there, there we as well. Go. But I mean, you know, and I don't want to get into the case of comparing one against the other. It's a very fraught topic. 
Um, the issue with the Benini's casting and one of the, one of the defenses that has been offered, and again, well, I'm, I, I'm I wary th- of. I think maybe somebody from the African American community would would have the right to to, to critique him to, in the way that Brooks had critiqued. Benini. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But the, the thing thing about kind of um, offense, I guess, is 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 that a a community isn't um, homogenous. Monolithic, enough, yeah. Or monolithic enough monolithic. that everyone is going to be offended, but it's also not homogenous and monolithic enough that nobody is going to be offended. Well, that's, that's it exactly. It's worth noting that Benini uh, won the Best Jewish Experience Prize at the Jerusalem Film Festival. Um, I don't know if you can say silence has a quality, but watching the film in Israel, the silence was unbearable, Benini said. And he was also given the freedom of the city of Jerusalem as well uh, for presenting the film there. So it's, it's absolutely not at all yeah. a, a kind of a monolithic response. And if if this is a way of him, because he, he's, he's a Gentile, but I think you've, you've, you've said that he has a, a, a Jewish um, heritage. Is that correct? No, I uh, don't no. think so. Actually, no, oh no, 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 no not was, at all. Was, no, what I was about to say was the the issue. One of the arguments that has been advanced in defense of of uh, Benini's portrayal of life is beautiful, mm-hmm. and the Jewish community here is that Italy was slightly different from most other European countries during the Holocaust in that its Jewish population was largely integrated. Um, so there were some arguments from historians, and I don't know if Benini himself advanced. But I think Benini was smart enough to avoid wading into this particular debate. Um, but some of the defenders of the film argued that it's entirely consistent to portray Guido in the way that they do because for a lot of Italians in the lead up to the Second World War, there would have been no distinction between the Jewish citizen or the Jewish community even mm-hmm. and a regular Italian citizen because they would have been much more integrated than they were in Germany or Austria. Not get a wise in the kind of Slavic places, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so in, in that sense, it makes more sense as an Italian film. Um, than it does than it would if this were being made about Germany, for example, or about Austria. The way that Guido is presented and the way that he's played by Benini as an Italian as much as a, as a Jewish person. Um, I think they they did some sort of poll. I think even today they've done polls and found that that Jewish people in Italy self identify first as Italians uh, rather than as Jewish rather than as Jewish people, mm-hmm. and that the percentage is higher than it is in other similar kind of communities around Europe. Because even like you know, in different films, it seems quite more insular. In like places like Germany and different kind of Holocaust films, you can see it, even at the outset, Jewish people seem to be ensconced in their own kind of separated communities rather than being integrated. So that's obviously a kind of inconsistency with different parts of Europe in that sense, in that kind of history, you know. Um, but yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if this is related, but I suppose in the early stages of the movie, I think a lot of the. Um, I, don't know, I suppose anti-Semitic kind of behavior, like uh, all the anti-Semitic attacks. The like smashing of his yeah. uncle's shop, for example. Yeah, a lot of yeah. it took place Barbarian, off screen. So. Yeah, is what I'm realizing. Like, is in a lot yeah, of yeah, this yeah. movie, like the whole way through, happens off screen. Yeah. And even well. the death of the character, you know, the lead character Guido, that's happens off screen point, as well. Actually, yeah, maybe that's a trope. Off guard too, actually. Yeah. I was thinking, kind of, am I reacting to this? Has has this happened? Or is it going to be a like um, a reveal that he, he isn't dead? But of course, he is. Yeah. I suspect that's a large part of keeping a PG thirteen or G rating. Um, and, and again, like I think, yeah. I think there's value in that because I think that it's good to have a film about this that you can show yeah. to kids for more generic audience. Um, it's well done anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. I think as well that this is a movie for parents because it, it, it's it's a lot. I think it has a lot to do with how you um, communicate um traumatic things um uh to children and this is certainly one very of, traumatic uh, thing yeah but it, and it's the the way that parents um i suppose want to protect their children because they say that childhood is one of the most kind of traumatic periods 
in a person's in, life. In, in, in a person's life. Just, just like inherently. Yeah. Um, without anything without like any, this happening. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it, it's, it, every uh, parent, I guess, wants to, wants to protect their child from that. So it, it, it seems to me a lot, um, a lot about, um, for uh, parents in the audience, I would imagine, okay. would, 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 would identify a lot with the, the, that kind of uh, struggle. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, how much do you shield? How much do you share? Because, I mean, that's not always obvious for kids on different ages, too. Mm. Um, yeah. Big theme here, I'd say. I mean, well, that's, that's the thing is that this belongs in a... There's a weird context of... And again, I have... Again, Andrew's going to joke about this. I have my pet, like, 1999 themes that I keep Ooh. coming back to. This idea of, like, uh, you know, false reality, fabricated reality, and this idea of, like, a sham and performativity that kind of runs through... That, yeah, that runs through, Fight like, Club. late 90s cinema. Yeah, so stuff yeah. like the Fight Club and the Matrix, to pick an example. Even things like, say, Dark City, The Truman Show, 13th Floor, Existence, Ed TV, um, Harsh Realm. I mean, I can keep going, keep doing these, these all day, but there's... This recurring motif in the late 90s. I can events. do this all day. Amping up uh, in front of a mic, shaking his fist in the air. But um, no, it's, it's it's more that there's like this theme of... Kind I was of... thinking about Darren Helton's safety movie <laughs> <laughs> watching this movie. I feel really, like that's what you took I, away? Yeah, while, while, while they were riding the bike... <laughs> <laughs> um, down uh, down the streets with which um, that's with when you wife, thought the health and safety was with his wife, the Dora and and and, and Joshua a- and I I remember thinking of Darren being like what irresponsible parents he, that's uh, what Darren thinks yeah, is an irresponsible yeah, moment yeah, life yeah. is beautiful exactly. the Anvil Factory exactly. on the other hand was perfectly safe like, and absolutely um, up Guido is a bad dad. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm full of judgment here. Um, but no, it's more just this idea of like fabrication, this idea of kind of building a, a narrative around the world that changes the nature of the world. And it's interesting that you had a number of actual Holocaust movies uh, released in 1999, sort of around this particular theme. We talked about Jacob the Liar, which is the Robin Williams one, where he cla- he is in the I think it's the Warsaw Ghetto, mm-hmm. uh, but he claims to have a radio that he can use to listen to the Allies, and he claims that Germany's losing the war, yeah, and that well. yeah. And that they're all going to be liberated in a matter of weeks in order to like preserve the innocence of the children and to keep the spirits of the community up and stuff like that as well. But even have, and I haven't seen this, and I kind of want to, but also don't. Um, it's a French film called Train of Life, which is which is about the Jews from a fictional Russian town who save themselves from the Nazis by building their own train, dressing up as Nazi guards, herding themselves onto it, and trying to ship themselves out of Russia. Um, which is... That sounds like the Ocean's Eleven of Holocaust movies. It, it does a little bit, doesn't it? Um, and, and that's the thing. But you have this idea of this weird kind of like lying around the Holocaust as a, as a motif in 1999 in the, the, the films that are being released. Worth noting, by the way, that Jacob the Liar was actually made in 1997. It was held back because the major studios who'd financed it also had several other Robin Williams movies on their slate. And they insisted that he make, market, and release those films before he released his hilarious Holocaust comedy, in case that Holocaust comedy would damage his brand so much that it would make the movies unreleasable. This is Jacob the Liar. This is Jacob the Liar. Um, it's a pretty good move. It's a very smart move. Well, particularly since, and I think Andrew alluded to this, you, you know the Jerry Lewis story, right? No. Jerry, oh, sorry. So Jerry Lewis wrote, directed, and starred in it. Mm-hmm. It's called The Day the, Crown, the Clown Cried, right? It's about a clown who gets sent to the Warsaw Ghetto 
who decides to use his time in the Warsaw Ghetto to entertain and enlighten children, to preserve their innocence, much the same way as the film we just saw here. Mm. However, what it has that this film doesn't have is Jerry Lewis. It's first of all, Jerry. Yeah, it's Jerry Lewis. But second of all, an ending uh, in which, and again, I and this nope, is a spoiler zone for this, all for movies. all movies, including movies that have never been released and won't see the light of day for several <laughs> years. Um, but the the ending of the day, the clown cried, and I think the people who have seen it have described it as one of the most unique viewing experiences of their lives. The ending of the day the clown cried features Jerry Lewis realizing that the children in the ghetto are about to be led into the gas chambers and realizing they're going to be marched in and they're going to be killed. And so decides in order to preserve their innocence to lead them in in a hilarious sort of sing-along in full clown costume. That's equal parts terrifying and kind yeah. of endearing in a certain way, isn't it? I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, Lewis famously insisted... <laughs> When he saw what he had done, when he cut the film together and oh watched God. the final cut of the film, he realized that nobody must ever see this. <laughs> <laughs> this must never surface. <laughs> Bill Murray, I think, is, is one of like a handful of people who's actually seen it. And he's one of the people who's like... I want to see it now, though. <laughs> well, this is the thing. He, he passed away. He said that nobody would ever see it when he was alive. So what happened is his estate... Remastering it now, That's I it. Imagine. His, his yeah. estate handed it over to the American Film, film Institute. And the American Film Institute has said that in the next 10 to 20 years, it looks forward to releasing The Day the Clown Cried as a historical artifact. And then they watched it and they were like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is... Ooh. <laughs> this <laughs> like reaction. The, the original cut of Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's worth noting, actually, um, just in terms of that, in terms of the ending of this movie as well, uh, Benini originally wanted the film to end with the family, the entire family surviving. Mm-hmm and being reunited oh, and offering a completely yeah. happy ending. And what happened is the historical advisor on the film, uh, Pizzetti, um, who was an Italian Jew himself, he managed to convince, um, he convinced Benini that either the father or the son must die because he, he, he felt that the, the wife dying wouldn't be appropriate because she wasn't actually Jewish. And if she died, it would further remove the idea of the Holocaust as a, as a Jewish experience. Um, and it was the guy, uh, Pizzetti, argued that it had to be the son who died because that's what the Holocaust was. It was the loss of an entire generation. And like for him, he, you know, he, he said... Like the ultimate loss. That's the ultimate like, loss. Yeah, and the like idea, choice even, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The idea. That, then that becomes a kind of like... Uh, the, the the movie is that one where you tell people not to watch it almost. <laughs> Mm. Well, yeah. it's the it's the movie where the cute little child dies at the end. Yeah, after all the work that Guido did to protect him. And yeah, again, like... but that's the, the, what, the, what the whole movie is is what it was about for me was uh, about being a parent and protecting your children and making that and sacrifice. sacrifice too, which is the word yeah. used at the end, actually. Yeah, Be- because yeah. like the, uh, parenting is a choice to do to not do other things. Yeah, um, and to and to put that energy into into raising a child instead. Um, and, and I thought another, another kind of point of the movie was this, um, uh, there's a great book actually that, um, written by Victor E. Frankel, uh, it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, Victor E. Frankel, he, he, he founded like the third, uh, school of psychoanalysis, uh, the third Viennese school of psychoanalysis, which is uh, logotherapy, which is all about having an unconditional purpose. Um, for your life in order to uh, you know it's about finding meaning but the 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 story is all um about for about four-fifths of the book is his experience in a in the concentration camp 
and basically him putting um this uh, uh logotherapy into practice and the the unconditional purpose for uh guido and what gets him through is his attention for 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 um Josh, joshua yeah. and 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 lo- looking after him and reuniting um joshua with his mother and keeping him from losing his spirits which he never does even oh. even even to the point where the tank arrives because they did it, 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 it it's a it, this is a kind of a a, a magical um uh, movie. like cinema paradiso yeah. so it's, it's magical realism mm-hmm. to a certain extent yeah. it's, mm-hmm. well, i mean that that's the thing is that you only see you only really get the extent of the holocaust very briefly through the fog that sight of the bodies yeah. arranged in those piles that you only see very quite hidden as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. it i mean like there's there's mist over it as well i mean it's also worth noting in terms of that like protection of the child as well it's kind of set up as this and it's set up early in the film with this discussion of uh, what's the name of the, is it uh, what's the name of the philosophy? Oh, sorry, uh, the Schopenhauer. Philosophy. So Schopenhauer was an interesting one because Schopenhauer was essentially one of one of the first kind of Western uh, Buddhists who had a very good kind of concept of life being um, essentially pain. To live is 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 is, is to call, <laughs> is to is to take away something from um, some somebody or something else. That even like uh, this is a very two fifty trope. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah standing yeah. on standing on a that rock. It, that even like exactly against you. That the piece of grass is 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 soaking up moisture out of the ground and and pulling kind of like air into itself and it's taking something from others and then there's kind of the the uh, fungus kind of like feeding off of it and. Um, that, that that all life is 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 connected is, but is also painful. parasitic yeah yes. he um, talks about the mole as well like burrowing through the ground and can't see and light hurts its eyes mm-hmm. yeah. and has this kind of um but yeah actually schopenhauer is one of the few german kind of philosophers who writes very good prose okay so it's, it's actually he it, it was it, i think it was inspired by david hume to write um, actual sort of like reader friendly yeah, because German t- tends to be a writer friendly language where it's like mm-hmm. it's a, it, um, it gives the writer kind of like the the freedom to to express themselves as kind of um, abstrusely as, as, as they wish but to get it across and it's the uh, reader's responsibility to understand it whereas in English it's more kind of the writer's responsibility to, to be communicate, comprehensible yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, but, sorry, but uh, yeah, just, Schopenhauer. Just, just on Schopenhauer there, it's interesting that you have this set up earlier on, which is this idea, I am what I want to be. Yeah. This idea of manifesting your will on the world, which is interesting in a movie that is, you know, inadvertently or sort of tangentially connected to fascism. But, you know, fascism itself being the extent of the will upon the world and stuff like that. But you have a... I, th- I think, like, in, in Nietzsche's big, uh, uh, big sort of disappointment obviously kind of like being a predecessor to Schopenhauer um uh he didn't get to see it but that 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 his I think it was his sister kind of became this kind of like poster woman for 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 the Third Reich celebrating her brother's work and its importance ideologically to to the and 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 of course I, I I I believe Nietzsche um if if I, I may be wrong, I'm kind of half remembering this that Nietzsche couldn't stand his uh, his sister and thought she was she was a very kind of um, you know dim and um, uh, ignorant. Easily exploitable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
malleable. Malleable, yeah. But I mean, this this idea of like manifesting your will on the world, which is a very fascistic principle, but the idea that Guido uses it to protect his son, which is the, you know, I am what I want to be. And the idea that he can will his friend awake simply by whispering in his ear, wake up. Um, and that sort of idea of exerting the way that he wants the world to be. But how the film frames that initially is reactive. So you have that sequence where he's out on the date and he's like, you know, Mother Mary, throw me a key. You know, Mother Mary, send me somebody who'll tell me how long it'll be before he can get ice cream. Send me somebody who'll get me a dry hat. That sort of thing. But this idea of... And it kind of calls back to that at the end with the tank. Yeah. Like with everything sort of um, arriving in this kind of synchronistic sort of way. Yeah. And, And kind of to a certain extent being a rejection of that fascist desire to impose your will on the world and instead like reverse engineering it, looking at the what the world is giving you and finding a way to turn that to your advantage. Yeah. But even, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that it, it ends up, it's a, and again, this is an overly cynical reading of the film. Um, so I apologize in advance. We haven't asked the important question yet, but go ahead. But this is, I think Emily Todd Vanderwerf made the point that, uh, you know, is Guido's son going to grow up to be a Holocaust denier? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was there, guys. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, all the games. No children were killed. They were just hiding. <laughs> yeah, I won the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> I got a tank. They wouldn't let me keep it. Those Americans. Um, they came. Yeah, the camps were just a. Place. The Americans were the problem. They came and stole my prize. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do love that the actor who plays American soldier apparently has like a recurring role in Italian cinema as the American guy. The smiling that's, American guy type that, one. That's yeah. it. That's it exactly. Yeah. His uh, his other big role, and it's not even an Italian film. It's an American film shot in Italy. It's in Hannibal as American police officer number one uh, on the El Monstro case. So you're oversexed. <laughs> you're overpaid. You're over here. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. Uh, but what about you guys? So what do you guys make of sort of the, the way the film treats the Holocaust and the enormity of it? And sort of like, is there with, with humor and with finding a sense of humor in there, did it work for you to strike the right balance? I think even in a more broad sense, it's about how you can use and if you can use kind of humor as a power to like, you know, overcome or subvert kind of horrible, uh, imposing suffering times. I mean, that can accept that like, you know, there's no, no kind of like monopoly on suffering. It can send to any kind of genocide. Um, it's about how powerful, if at all, can you kind of, it's kind of like self-deceive in a way, in a kind of happier way to, I guess, kind of distract from the kind of reality in front of you, which is obviously in this case quite horrific. Um, the, oh, the overall thing is, I think, just perseverance through the power or use of humor in that sense. Um, and in that way, it's quite, not quite uplifting, I would have said. Because in the end, I mean, for him at least, it doesn't work out well. Yeah, it's hard but I mean, I mean, I think, I, I, think, I think, though, in the end, does he win? I think yes, because he keeps his family safe. And, and obviously, you know, Joshua is none the wiser. Um, I thought that might change, though. Well, maybe not. But I mean, yeah, I mean, in that case, it is quite uplifting. But I mean, it's showcasing the power of humor in that context where you wouldn't quite see it normally i think yeah like as in i think it's hard to say whether or not they um how do i put it whether or not they brought kind of the humor out in the best way that they could have when they could have uh to these like because as things got darker and darker it's harder and harder to kind of like uh find that little that little bit of light in it and you know Mm. make people kind of like you know laugh a little bit i think so uh, as an example, I think it's a really good example of trying to bring humor to these kinds of things. But at the same time, it's hard to... Because it, it, you kind of feel like you know where it's going at one point and it's hard to really get... La- I think there's a certain point at which I kind of start... Everything goes there as well. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, you, there is there is definitely a line at some point, I think yeah. you find. 
Yeah. It's hard to, it's, it's definitely a line is a hard way to put it as well because it's more. It's, um, what do you say? Patch Adams, good morning, Vietnam kind of um uh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah genre of but but it, the 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 um well, I was, I was I think there's a very th- clear line between which one of those works and which I think one there, there yeah yeah no I've, of of course but uh, I I think there was, there was an important moment and I don't think they got as much as they could out of it but it was it was um heartbreaking if brief was um the revelation of uh, kind of Doctor um, Lessing's um, kind of Completely. psychopathy, mm. yeah. basically. For me, that was his, that was the most kind of, heartbreaking part of the whole film. Yeah, yeah. his just failure to, and he's he's like, oh, I have a riddle for you. Yeah, I need to talk to you. It's very yeah. urgent. Please, I have a riddle. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. understand the value of this person's well. life and outside of yeah. if, like the gap between being a server and a servant. Yeah, yeah. and he he, I mean, Guido must feel so foolish in in that moment that, to yeah. ever to ever kind of how um i think he might be getting out of it yeah. yeah but it doesn't really it doesn't linger with that kind of desperation yeah, or, or hopelessness for very long he realizes that this isn't his ticket yeah. i guess and, and then quickly kind of song. yeah yeah i mean i suppose he doesn't really have any Which choice is, i mean i suppose what and and again kind of what um uh parenting kind of um maybe like from my perspective of like from my own parents being an being an like technically an adult now i i i can't get over how they put up that kind of like i always thought of them as you know they so got kind it of together, together with everything stoic, yeah. and yeah, it's like yeah. how could they have been so when um, they had a kid i don't have a kid and i'm telling <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but it, like like but that that that, that um, I suppose having having a kid doesn't kind of uh, maybe give you the luxury of um, that sort of, of existential of, uncertainty. Of yeah, of like, letting on to them how kind of terrified life is. Yes. How do you yeah. maintain the facade that you're in control of everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, like a falsified self assurance and like self awareness of how. I mean, it's it's important on a certain level, but I mean. Parents have emotions too and responses that are reactive and like, you know, that's kind of a hard challenge even as you, as you are as an adult. But I mean, having a kid too makes it in that context even more horrific and terrifying to deal with. Yeah, the more you think about it, the more it kind of seems almost a bit like a parenting movie. Like, yeah, yeah just no, overall, just like that that's the yeah. main crux thrust of it. Yeah, yeah. the idea of, and again, worried about making light of, light of it, but the idea of, yeah, of, of getting a child through a tough phase and having to put on a sort of a phase it's and having to deal with any, yeah. any adult pressure. I mean, obviously the Holocaust is a unique experience in the grand, you know, context of human history, mm. but the idea of like any parent trying to navigate something like the loss of a job, for example, or a divorce or anything where they're worried about how their kid will cope, anything that will potentially damage or hurt or harm a kid and having to navigate that, not looking out for yourself, but looking out for them primarily. Yeah, I think it is very much a parenting movie. Mm. But and but it's it and it sets up the characterization of Guido uh, quite early. So th- this isn't just kind of um, uh, something that he's doing out of no, no, out no. of having a child. He he he's been kind of introduced as, a as this fantasist. Yeah. yeah, 
uh, very much Benini sort of informed by the work of say Charlie Chaplin and many of the it's, other it's, silent comedians. It's a silent well. movie. Yeah, to a large extent. Yeah, yeah. with it, with it, like uh, this uh, swapping of of, of, of the, the hats, hats. Yeah. And, and the eggs kind of coming Classic back. Tropes. It yeah. very much feels Set like one of payoff, these old yeah. kind of. I mean, like you know, it could be a bad comparison, but in a way, it's kind of like you know, different kind of Walter Mitty in a certain way. But I mean, he kind of manufactures reality. Yes. And has he's solely deaf doing that? That like that's shown quite early on in the tone set. That like you know this isn't even reactive. It's it's who he is, part of who he is, part of his persona, and he does it to everyone else's benefit in some ways to kind of to kind of make things. Yeah, even the other people to in kind, the of, camp kind of give fantasy a reality. I think. Yeah. You know. Or to to satirize, like to satirize um, kind of Il Duce at at at, yeah, at the beginning yeah, yeah. coming through. But not even the, intentionally. Yeah. Not <laughs> no no. But it, and and then in 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 the school. Yes, um, with the race. The contrast was so important because like they, they were so kind of like you know rigid and conformist and everything else. But I mean, he's just there in a kind of anarchist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, um, I, to to the point, um, about um, I guess appropriation. It's it the um with 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 Roberto Benigni. It's a story that belongs, um, most appropriately to to uh, uh to Jewish people. Mm. I think a story that um, Italians perhaps want to explore or go through is their um, uh, perhaps I suppose guilt maybe or well, it, well, like it being a, a kind of a stain yeah. on um, and wanting to kind of uh, deal with that in in some sort of a way. This seems to be kind of um, not like it, it's not. It, I suppose it it's kind of yeah it's 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 an interesting one. I I mean I'm not really qualified to say uh, like how sensitive it is in terms of well Benini Benini's talked about the importance of this like in terms of of kind of Italy and in terms of Italy sort yeah. of reckoning uh, with the Holocaust stuff like that because it did ship a lot of its Jewish population off um, as well and there's lots of discussion within Italy itself. So there are 8,000 Italian Jews were deported to their death during the, the war uh, as well. Uh, but it's worth noting that like, even in 1999, when the film was released, they had like, during the centenary or around the centenary, um, it's not centenary, sorry, 50 year anniversary of the end of the Holocaust in the, the mid nineties, there were arguments from like the mayors of local towns saying, why do we need to commemorate this? Can't we just pretend the past didn't happen and move on? And there's a sense of like Italy needing to come to terms with that and Benini believing that that's a, kind of one of the reasons why he made it. He also made it, and, and this is kind of interesting as well, um, his father, um, well, he, he was genteel, his father was not Jewish to pick an example, but his um, his father actually served... Are you in saying the, he's genteel or Gentile? Uh, gentile, sorry, sorry, apologies, Gentile. He's not Jewish. Um, sorry, apologies. But his, uh, his father uh, served in the Italian cavalry in Albania during World War II and ended up in a German labour camp when Italy changed sides in 1943. Uh, for two years, he was almost worked and starved to death and weighed 80 pounds when he was released. Uh, but Benini's father, he talked to his father Luigi about this, um, and he said that his experiences, uh, kind of, and particularly the way that his father talked about his experiences in a German labour camp, which obviously is not the same as a concentration camp, no. to be absolutely clear, but he'd talk about um, night and day, fellow prisoners were dying all around him, he told us about it, but as if to protect me and my sisters, he told it in an almost funny way, saying tragic, painful things, but finally his way of telling them was very particular. Sometimes we laughed at the stories he told. And even now, and even like in 1999, when the film was released, Luigi Benini, who was then 79, was talking about how, uh, and again, this is one of those stories that he tells, we were forbidden to talk to women, he recalls. 
There were Czechs, Poles, Russians in there with us, but the sign over the door that said, those who attempt to speak to women will be severely punished, was written only in Italian. He smiled slightly. <laughs> the Germans knew how much Italians like to expletive. <laughs> um, and you can kind of see where Roberto Benigni got his sort of perspective. Yeah, on he has that line, that old chestnut, that I want to make love to you. Like, yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not I'm in love with you yeah. forever. Like, I, mean, I, I want to make love to you so much. Yeah. Right now as well. I am right so now, horny. But all the time and also later. Um, <laughs> but even here in the rain. Um, yeah. And even like when he's running off with his son in the middle of a concentration camp, he's like, I'm going to make such love to your mother. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got some <laughs> Horn on me. <laughs> but and I uh, love that again. We, we talked. That's sorry. what got him through the concentration. Sorry. Oh, yeah, um, I love that again. This is like a family-friendly Italian movie, so you can't show a lot of the death and destruction of the Holocaust on screen. Obviously, but it's like, yep, less puritanical yeah, than, 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 than European than Irish or sort of yeah, British than or the Anglo American. kind of yeah, uh, when it comes American. To, yeah. sort of, oh my, I do, I do say. Um, I again just. Before we sort of finish talking, and before we finish talking about the whole, before we talk about the end, talk about the concentration camp bit, I did think the bits of that kind of, I think Jer mentioned that there's a point where you kind of, where not it crosses a line, but where it becomes a lot harder to maintain. Yeah, because to extract the, the bits humor, of humor from, in it. from yeah. the situation, and it, it's really weird because those are the bits, and again, this is just me, um, to be absolutely clear, but those are the bits where it seems to go most. For the humor, I'm thinking of the end where the, the ghettos be, or the concentration camps being liquidized, um, and that's the bit where you start getting even more. And now you've had slapstick throughout. You've had references like Chaplin routines. You've had the hat stealing and stuff like that. But like at the end, as the ghetto is being liquid, as uh, as the concentration camps being liquidized, you start getting this whole cavalcade of silent film humor in there. You know, and again. Oh, some yeah. like some like it Holocaust the bit where he's wearing the um sort of the, the drag yeah. where he rolls up his sort of skirt and sort of hikes the thing around him and puts a, a bandit around his a band around very, his very um kind of uh, silent movie or um kind of uh, a, a broad comedy yeah like you expected the conclusion to that almost was that he was going to start singing and that the Germans were going to start yeah, dancing, dancing along and with... getting like a, a can yeah, conga line. Yeah, yeah. And, and he'd sort of like, he'd jump out of the conga line at the last minute and they'd sort of go off into the jungle. Even the yeah. bad guys and, uh, were singing along. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and finally the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the general or the person in charge of the concentration camps is like, what are you idiots doing? <laughs> Get some! <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it did go very... Um, and But even then there's the spotlight gag. Which is again, that, it's like something from like, again, that was like very intentional. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's very much like it's a Superman two sort of gag. It's a bit where the spotlight's searching for criminals and kind of comes back. It misses it the first time, and you can tell that somebody's like, "Oh wait, what was that?" And it goes back up and catches him. But I think, I think yeah. it's, it's it's the first time seeing him so disempowered in the whole film. Like you know, he has no control anymore, and like you no, know, this is the final nail in the coffin for him. And I mean, ultimately, he himself can't be saved. And like you know, it's kind of slow desperation of like you know this is it. And I mean, that's quite evident, I think, in his face in that scene. Yeah, I'm just trying know? to think of where you might get the, the last, the last, I'm not saying, I can't remember if I 
laugh or smirk or whatever else. But the last potential laugh you get is when he gets caught by the guard and he's being marched back past his kid and he decides to put on the old frog mark. Yeah. 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 But, but that's, that's sad. That's, that's tragic. It's that is sad. Yeah. As, as opposed to like the, the, the drag costume the, or the spotlight the, gag, which the seem whole... like they're very... Yeah. They seem like they're very like, well, this is a chaplain bit we're doing. And it's like, you can do that. Like, I think it, it works very well earlier in the film, but I'm not sure it doesn't work anymore. It's characterization, though. Because it, 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 that, he is that person kind of true and true. He is a character in a silent movie. That 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 is that just him. happened to find himself well, in. Yeah, whether whether he's yeah exactly whether 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 he's in that um little um Italian town playing off the kind of uh, local officials uh like or it's like a Marx Brothers movie yeah. kind of um and or whether he's in a whether he's in a a a, a concentration camp. I mean, no, they, sorry, yeah. like he he could do the role I think in this film without saying any words I think. His body talks yeah. so much, and like you know, his kind of facial expressions are quite um, overt. I mean, it's he has a it's very it's, elastic. It's, it's easy to see who he is by his language, you know. And I mean, he doesn't even speak to say that, but I mean, he does in his own kind of funny way. But I mean, he is who he is, and he could fit into a kind of silent film very easily. And he, even a bit with Dora, when he's saying goodbye to her first, and has a little walking stick pushing up his hat, yes. and 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 that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, but 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 the the there 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 was a real kind of um uh like like as 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 kind of broad and um like yeah maybe maybe you can say the but the, the the part before it was a bit jarring because it's kind of it's it's still him running around and doing his comedy as 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 it's kind of dawning on you that um. Uh, Perhaps he's he's destined to die. Yeah. But yeah, this the scene with 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 him um kind of um winking to so his uh, to to yeah no that that's lovely that's very effective and again that works because that performance is for the benefit of the son yeah um, yeah to a certain extent. the Whereas, son makes it it's the yeah. kind of final performance yeah. yeah yeah Whereas the other stuff for me doesn't quite gel and you get this weird dissonance where he's looking for Dora and he's like Dora jump off the truck and somebody comes to the front and it's Dora and but not his Dora, and he's like, "Stay on the truck, I guess." Yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna keep looking. It do- I don't know that 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 sequence didn't work for me as much. I did like the first half of the film, though. I have to say, I actually really. Oh yeah, felt like- th- that is a weird line. If 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 that's what he said, kind of stay on. The no, he truck. didn't say stay on the truck. But he's like, Dora, if you're there, jump off the truck. And then Dora shows up, and he's like, "You're not my Dora." Um, yeah. and Anyone who's not on Dora, stay on this truck. Yeah. Where you're all going to be killed. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a very strange moment. Um, I mean, like again and again, you, like not to you know, not to, to make light of it or whatever. But I mean, in that moment, you can imagine somebody doing that. But the way that it's shot and the way that it's delivered, it's it's weirdly focused it, on him in in a way that like the moment where he's frog marching for the benefit of his son makes sense because that's a performance for his son. Mm. The sequence where he's running around the camp in drag saying anyone who's not Dora stay on the truck no he doesn't well, say yeah, that yeah, but you know, yeah. what, you know what I mean that, yeah. well, the, 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 the thing is that like it's a very strong I guess choice yeah. um, creatively to make this whole movie at all and then and then to do this whole sort of um, uh, slap the stick uh, section at the uh, to do, and to um, I think the test there is whether it it goes completely egregious yeah <laughs> like it's not going to feel quite right but no at the same time like 
this could the, how, is how, Bill Murray going to make you promise never exactly, to release yeah, this yeah. movie? Because <laughs> that's the threshold. It's yeah. amazing yeah. that it doesn't feel more wrong. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, but um, considering, yeah, just. Before we move on, is there anything about that sort of segment anybody else wants to talk about? Because I'd, I'd like to kind of... And it's weird that we open talking about that segment, but I guess it's kind of like it's... That is the heart of the movie to a certain extent. That's the bit that everybody knows. Life is Beautiful is a, is a Holocaust movie. Yeah, I suppose the... the, the um, he's so kind of... Um, I think Guido is so, I suppose, distracted and upset that he doesn't know who uh, Schwantz is. <laughs> When um, when Joshua says, "Oh, isn't Schwanson there?" and he's kind of like, for a moment, he's like, "What? Huh?" <laughs> it's oh, kind of, it's hard to keep right. track of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm sorry, like, kid. I got a lot on my mind. Yeah, um, yeah. Daddy, like, yeah, Daddy's got to avoid. Anyway, he's looking right. around to think, kind of, are they going to kill us right now? Right now, yeah. Or do like, I have time to answer this question? Oh, yeah, Schwanz. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. But I think also it was like him kind of managing his capacity as a father and like a, a kind of husband too, because. At one point, he kind of goes to kind of announce an announcer, kind of like Tanoi area, and voluntarily puts his son in a lot of danger yes. yeah. by making an announcement. I mean, it was yeah. endearing in that kind of narrative with his wife, but they could have been instantly murdered for that. Yeah. I mean, his son would have been too because he was there. Yeah, so it was an interesting of, kind of decision possibly. there. I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering yeah. what, like, what the end of the conversation is where you just hear the machine gun fire on the other end of the line. Yeah. Well, I tried. But, yeah. but it is this kind of magical Bugs yeah. Bunny sort world. of world. Yeah, where where um, the Nazis are Elmer Fudd. And That's have, it, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The, the Nazis are Elmer Fudd, gradually. but they're also orchestrating the Holocaust yeah. Yeah. In, in like the way that they actually orchestrated the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, which is we say that as if they didn't make Bugs Bunny um, cartoons for the, um, the well, like World War II. They did indeed. Yeah. 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 But I mean, they didn't send Bugs Bunny to the concentration camps. With guns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the weird push and pull for me with the yeah. film. Yeah. And it's maybe why it doesn't click for me kind of personally. It's, it's very, like, like, but I, I think like the 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 whole kind of elevator elevator pitch of oh it's of completely it insane so, uh, yeah and yeah. i kind of admire the, the audacity the, of doing it and the fact that it, it's not completely it's not a train yeah, wreck that yeah. as you yeah. say that it's not the the the, the day the clown cried yeah um, and it's like well I, I, and it's better I, than jacob the liar as well and yeah i suppose you're 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 a jewish man so you know better than than, than me what these sensitivities are it's like oh no no i'm not sure <laughs> 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 um <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> don't don't do that. Yeah, um, yeah, Jesus, the stones you must have to make something like that. God. Uh, yeah. um, I know better. I know. <laughs> I actually have one comment as well, which is actually a deviation, but I mean it's an important one. Who does he remind you of, Benini? He's an Irish actor who I noticed in the first few minutes. I go, this is him. Think, love, hate. Oh, you've got me. Tom von Lawler, I think. He doesn't... Tom von Lawler. That's an interesting one. It's I like, think if, if should, with, with the bald head, he, he's Nidge, basically. They should, they should the expressions do... expressions smile, like... They should do, I, like, a, like a Grimsby movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. where instead of, like, Sasha Baron Cohen and Mark Strong, it's, like, you know, Roberto Benigni yeah. and, Tim, and Tom von Lawler. Stunt double Tom Lawler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and just sort of put them together. I think it's uncanny, though. I don't know. <laughs> and is, it, and is yeah. it Tom von Lawler playing an Italian? In this or, scenario, or is it Roberto guard, Benigni yeah. playing a um an 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 Irishman? Oh, um, sorry. Who's his who, who's his brother? What's worth noting is actually I took a look at um I did a bit of research for this beforehand, and they actually surveyed uh, Holocaust survivors and asked them what their favorite movie about the Holocaust was. And this is kind of interesting because 
Holocaust survivors don't tend to like awards fair about the Holocaust, perhaps understandably for, you know, cynical reasons and stuff like that. Mm. They know that it can seem quite exploitative. It's, you know, we're going to make for, money off. Yeah, and, 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 to, and to win awards and yeah. get rid of those statues. Interestingly enough, apparently uh, survivors are, according to the survey, I think the Atlantic quoted as well, they tend to prefer um, non-awards fair like Defiance, uh, which was a little seen film. Uh, with what's his face, Daniel Craig. I, w- I, would, imagine, Schreiber, I yeah. would imagine Munich would be popular as well. Because um, they, 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 um, having these movies where, um, where yeah, it's about um, these um, uh, kind of uh, almost empowerment fantasies yeah, to a certain yeah, yeah. extent. Because yeah. I mean, because defiance is not about the camps; it's about is, surviving. Isn't there a scene in in is this is this uh, knocked up or one of the kind of Judd Apatow movies where Seth Rogen? Is um is, is and he's talking. Seth Rogen's character is talking with his 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 Jewish friends about like how uh, how how much good Munich did for for the Jewish man. <laughs> to, to yeah to to complete with the most awkwardly choreographed sex scene in cinema history. Yeah, yeah. of course that that's not it's not a Holocaust movie, no. but it, but it, but it, it's it it's, deals it's, with those themes and ideas. With, yeah, and, with, and identity. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, worth noting as well that. Uh, Life is Beautiful was released along a wave, and we talked about this a little bit on the same Private Ryan podcast, a wave of Second World War nostalgia at the end of the 90s as well. So it competed for the Best Picture Oscar against things like The Thin Red Line and things about, like I say, Private Ryan, making three movies in the Best Picture race that year um, that were about the Second World War, which was the the last time so many movies had competed uh, for the Best Picture Oscar was 1942, when four of the ten Best film content- Film Contenders dealt with war issues. Which is kind of impressive. Yeah, I know as well. Yeah, so it's like statistically, it's actually fewer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because it taps into that sense of like memory and kind of nostalgia you had in the nineties. That sort of like desire to remember as well. Because again, like it's things like the Schindler's List from the early nineties as well. But when Spielberg did that, he seen this much World War Two nostalgia <laughs> since World War Two. <laughs> <That's laughs> <a great laughs> But uh, this idea of trying to remember uh, kind of what it was and this idea of the preservation of memory and stuff like that as well. Flashbacks and stuff, yeah. 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 And, and kind of, because even this is framed as a story about memory because it's it's the child well, we're telling the story. On it, yeah. Yeah. Doing all of the kind of um, uh, Apollo 11 sort of... Uh, stuff at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing as we're And it would have been, the, well. I guess, the... Um, uh, yeah, it would have been around about the 50th to 51st, mm-hmm. 55th yeah, anniversary yeah. that this was sort of happening as well. Many of these projects would have entered production around the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. as well. Right. And I think that we talked about, again, on the same Brian Ryan podcast, in the 90s you had the sense of like listlessness and this need to have a clearly defined story with heroes and villains and how maybe the Second World War kind of fits that fit that criteria at the time. Because again, that was before the war on terror and, and everything like that, mm-hmm. and, and before the world became more complicated. Keep uh, going. I just kind of sorry. Let's <laughs> find that. Sorry, apologies. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was, I was, I was giving, giving you a, a license. Just go there, Um But what? Okay, like, I've been fairly harsh on on kind of life is beautiful. What I do like about the movie mm. is the first half. I actually really like the first hour or so of it. Yeah. Because what it does is it provides what is a kind of a slapstick romantic comedy against the backdrop of the rise of fascism. And for me, what the film's doing in terms of humor and in terms of its jokes, in terms of its style works much better there than it actually does in a actual literal concentration camp, because you get the juxtaposition, you get the, the sense of like things are getting worse and things are bad and things are happening at the edge of the frame. 
And the thing that happens, and it's, it's one of those great narratives of the rise of fascism, is the idea that, like, it's easy to make a story about the rise of fascism and to narrativize it after the fact and to say these are the important moments that happened along the way. This is the story that you tell in hindsight about how this country descended into fascism. What I like about the first half of Life is Beautiful is that it's Almost incidental. denying it. That's it. It's, it's yeah. incidental. It's at the edge of the frame. It's a story. It's quite peripheral, yeah. Yeah, and in the background, all this stuff is happening. And if you're paying attention, you'll catch it and you can't miss it. I mean, they do literally paint an art, uh, you know, a, a horse neon green at one point. Yeah. But it, you're not... You're not quite expecting it to land in the way that it does. Mm. Even the characters almost dismissed it, I think, at one point. Um, Was he talks to his uncle, and his uncle says, This is serious, effectively, paraphrasing, this is serious trouble, he's a barbarian, whatever. The comfort you take is quite And he's just like, Ah, it'll be fine. I mean, his attitude is much more. uh, I mean, there's the great conversation conversation where he has, like, they're just doing this to dot, dot, dot. And his uncle is like, No, they're just doing this. Um, Which is very much, I think it's it's Adam. at the um, at the Atlantic wrote an excellent piece about like for fascism cruelty is not a means to an end or it's not a, a tool that's employed it's an end of itself the whole point of the exercise is is cruelty and dehumanization it's not like it serves an agenda it's, yeah. it's like they're not yeah they're not doing this to further their own political aims they're doing this because a large part of this is inflicting pain and suffering on others and that's something that has worth of itself within fascism and, and it kind of reminded me of that when the when the uncle was when you know when Guido was like ah it's, it's not a big deal they're doing they're acting out their kids they're just you know it's it's not what they're it's not what's going on and it's like no this is the point he continues to belittle it later on when 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 his son is like I I I think. Uh, I think uh, mommy would like that cake. And he's like, no, 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 that's a fake cake. Yes. Um, and, and, and they... Oh, the they, conversation they, where it's like, yeah. is there anyone you don't like? Yeah, where, where, yeah, where, where it says no, um, no Jews or dogs yeah. um, are allowed. And he says, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a place where, there, where, um, where I trust my Chinese friends. No yeah. kangaroos or Chinese. Yeah. And they have... Um, no spiders or Visigoths. Or Visigoths. Yeah, 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 that was his own one. <laughs> uh-huh. I like the idea that his son's going to grow up to be a Holocaust-denying Visigoth sort of hater. Um, <laughs> or anti-Visigoth person. Arachnophobia. Yeah, that's exactly. But I mean, I, I like that aspect of it and I think it works well. And I like the the production design in the film is, is really, really great. And in particular, the, like the restaurant of the hotel. I thought it the, kind of captures... The train coming into the um, yards the in, in the night felt a little bit like something from the property department. Um, whereas like kind of at, at, at other times it didn't well that's the thing it, it did it reminded me a lot of um, and again this is the, the influence of silent film on there it did look yeah. like something from silent, where it looked you're right it looked like a prop it looked like a prop in a set as opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. A, like a train on a, on a real track in a real environment because you can see that they turn two of the lights on as it's coming in because obviously they only have so much rail yeah, behind yeah. it yeah. so they can't actually show it approaching a real distance so it's like how do we fake this it's like well uh you wait a while and then you turn two lights on yeah, yeah. and it'll look like you're closer all of a sudden. Um, I was just thinking when we were watching this, like, does that train just start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Short turn. Benini's just like, roll, roll the film. It's all yeah, golden. Yeah. It's all golden. Um, incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, he's only, I think, the third actor to be nominated for uh, best screenplay, best, uh, sorry, for, so it, yeah, for best director, for best screenwriter and for best actor. I think. He voted too? Uh, he, what, sorry? He, he wrote it, yeah. Wow, he wrote it too. I didn't know Is that. the other one Ben Affleck? 
Uh, no, actually. Uh, ben Affleck didn't get nominated for director for Argo, which is surprising, because Argo was the last time a Best Picture winner didn't even get a Best Director nomination. Because he got a Best Writer nomination for, 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 um, uh, what was this? Um, am I wrong? Good for, for Good Goodwill Hunting, right? I think he won that. Yeah, he won that. I mean, for the same film. See, um, that's that thing that Kevin Smith says about, like, being approached by Matt Damon. you kind of like, would well, you have any interest in kind of writing on this? And it's like... You're the, you're <laughs> the, the Oscar, Oscar winner, winner yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for writing, and you're asking <laughs> this is your me, thing, Kevin Smith, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who couldn't write a Superman movie. Um, but I mean, sorry, he was actually the fourth person uh, to have been nominated for uh, writing, directing, and acting in the same film behind Orson Welles, Woody Allen, and Warren Beatty. Oh. Quite an interesting sort of set of, of sort of awards. Oh, for the same film. For the same film. Oh, okay, um, it's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is how these things tend to work. It's not quite. It's like getting, Yeah, it's, it's like you know, winning those five Oscars. You have to win them in the same year, or else it doesn't really count. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, and I kind of I like the production of it. It feels very much like Benini's drawing from silent film, and that that train sequence is very much part of it. I would almost believe that it doesn't have an engine and there are just people behind stagehands. Just four guys, you know, like, come on, guys. Teamster union, right? Yeah. Um, and it feel, yeah. And it, it, I, it, is it because of that that it feels more like they're on, like, a, a toy train, a kind of, like, Mosny yeah, <laughs> or West yeah. Horse or something? Um, <laughs> Model Railway station. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought that part of the movie was when the uh, humor around the Holocaust worked best. Where, where, where for me, so when anyway, they first arrived, yeah, or when no, they... no, like when they're on the their way, yeah. and he's obviously going through. Um, everyone is having a bad day. Oh, well, <laughs> and, I mean, like... and, and he's saying, my my pop planned something like this. For me as well, when I was young, and he, he's saying kind of like, oh, can you see the line here? And when they're getting on the train to be taken away to a concentration yeah. camp. It, it, you better so, not have sold my scene. Yeah, yeah, he said, wait up where we, we've we got a reservation. Yeah. And it's that humor that kind of comes from incongruity. Yeah. But, but, I mean, for me, like, you know, it was the most warm part, seeing everybody else who was obviously, you know, faced with their own mortality and were yeah. quite obviously dismissed. But I mean, they were still kind of going along with this kind of narrative that he was crafting for his son. And I mean, even the guy... Um, I don't think he was cheering them up at all. No, <laughs> also no not very it was like, you know, it was in spite of that, you know, they were still going to be like, you know, okay, we'll go along with this. It was some, some kind of like... Well, half-hearted, yeah. Like, I'm not not half-hearted, you know, like, yeah, yeah. not like, no, opposing it actively, you know. Even, like, yeah. you, like, tra- you, like, translate. That improv not... thing where you never say no. They don't say <laughs> yeah. anything more, but yes, they never and. say no. Yeah. Yeah. Silent. No, like, they say know. yes, you don't get an and. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's like um yeah, you you um there there'll be a guy along later with uh, with bread and jam, isn't that right? Oh yes, and cake. Stop. No, 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 no. You've escalated too quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um it's worth and to be fair, I actually quite like the way in which the kind of the silent terror builds in the first half as well. The the sequence where they're having dinner, um, and they're talking about the maths problem. Um, it's pretty on the nose which is I mean it's it's incredibly on the nose but it's very effective because you have that juxtaposition and it it works because it's set up like a joke is except the joke is horrifying which is the joke is that you have a premise and you subvert the expectation of what the you know payoff to that premise is so she's saying you know 
Have you the seen... teacher saying you'd need to know Spoiler. algebra? No, okay, well, okay. That, that is the punchline. The, the joke is, well, have you seen what they're making kids do in Germany? Yeah. They're saying, like, it costs the state, you know, four marks a day to care for these people. If you were to eliminate um, all, you know, 120,000 of these people, how much money would the state save? And that that's horrifying. How could the state yeah, ask this? And, and, you know, and... The obvious way you expect the conversation to go, yeah, that's horrific and inhuman and that's grotesque. That's monstrous and disgusting. And the punchline is, yeah, kids would have to do algebra in order to understand that problem, right? Too darn complex. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh. Um, But that works beautifully because it kind of, it's very similar to the bit later on that happens with his friend, the doctor. That's her being saved at that um, uh, dinner party from from that. You wonder kind of how, I suppose... It's the thing that they've spent their whole um, uh, life kind of growing up together. Um, oh, and herself and the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, herself it's and like, the um, There the are not other guys in the village. And like at <laughs> some are also point, in the class. you realise kind of like, oh, I'm too good for... For this guy. Yeah. But he has his own car, Andrew, and he manages a bank, and he doesn't have to work in the afternoon. Can't afford mm-hmm. hookers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably spend that on nice things for you. <laughs> um, has friends who will remind him that he doesn't need yeah. to go to the brothel anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Who, um, need, who needs who needs a brothel when you have a wife? Yeah, the, very very classy. And, like, and again, I love that. I, love like, that. Dude, I I feel like he's saying, you know, thanks, man. <laughs> you really put it in perspective. You're a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know and, what? Right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. make a solid point. I wasn't sold on this marriage thing, but now I am. I also, again, another welcome reminder of the the way that Italy is with these things, where it's like absolutely can't show you know dead bodies in full frame without blurring them can't have the main character killed on screen but brothel jokes that's what we're cool with we're all here for the brothel jokes well i feel that's kind of like whispered in a way that like kids wouldn't really get uh, understand yeah Yeah. um and I, i also like the really the way that the movie transitions between its two halves i also really like as well the suddenness of it because you have the sequence with the, the mother-in-law who hasn't talked to her grandson, who's never met her grandson, yeah. who goes to the store and says she's going to be coming over for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. It's a setup. There. It's a setup there. And again, it's the thing that you do with a joke where you set up a premise and you offer a kind of a subversive, you subvert expectations in how you pay it off. And that's where humor arises from. But it also is where terror and disgust and horror arise from. And it kind of works really well there where you have the, you know, the mother and her mother arriving. Um, and going to the room and discovering that it's just been torn upside down, everything's been sort of scattered and, and broken. Shift gears down, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it just because it, it does come out of nowhere. Even like watching the film, even knowing it's a Holocaust movie, even having seen the rise of fascism, the posters of Benito Mussolini, the graffiti on his storefront as he the closes two it down, children, the, ch- the uh, children named Benito, Benito and, Adolf, and Adolf, which is a great. I love that joke. <laughs> what it's is like, your politics? And he's like, calm down, Adolf. Calm down, Benito. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that works very well as well. Yeah, I mean, like you know, all the hints make sense. Kind of, kind of add up to this like accumulated sense of dread, and it's just like, okay, now we're actually going to go there and make it real. So it's quite terrifying in that way. You know, well done. I think it was nicely done. Yeah, you think it's kind of like almost was working towards it, just building. Yeah, up. here we are now. You yeah, know. and it just sort of you knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah, and it arrives sort of with the weight of a freight train, and I think that's very, very effective. And I think, yeah. I, again, that's that's the thing. I really like the first half of Life is Beautiful, and I like that sense. And it just when it pivots, it doesn't quite work for me. And I, you're right that I, yeah, you know, I admire the kind of the chutzpah of going for it, like the kind of the the like actually to do, yeah, definitely. actually trying something like this, which would terrify any sane director to a certain extent. 
Um, and actually, you know, it isn't anywhere near as bad as the worst case scenario is, but it just, it doesn't, the second half doesn't work as well. But I like the first half and I like the pivot of it. Would it yeah, would it, would it have worked better if it had been kind of a, and a sort of like an Anne Frank narrative where the, the idea would have been hiding from um, uh, Nazis like the entire movie? Have you heard where about it, uh, Jojo Bunny? No. no. Jojo Bunny is the new movie from uh, Taito Wakiki. Taito Wakiki. No, It's about a boy in Nazi Germany whose mother is hiding oh. a Jewish family and the boy's best fr- friend is an imaginary version of Adolf Hitler played by Taika Waititi. Um, I have seen trailers for this. Have you seen? Have they already done trailers? I haven't seen trailers, but I, I, I know it's I coming have, later yeah. this year and I'm very curious about how exactly this is going to work. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting premise. <laughs> to I, I like that Jerry's like, uh, Jerry uses interesting like I use interesting. It's like, yeah. yeah browse. <laughs> yeah. are doing a lot of the work for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can hear the inverted air quotes around interesting. It does seem like the kind of thing that you have to be very, very careful with. Which yeah. Is, yeah, yeah but I I feel like Taika Waititi won't be um, won't uh, too careful to make a boring movie. Yeah, that's exactly Yeah, right. um, And it won't be... I don't think that it, it will feel cynical in the way that some of these movies can feel cynical to a certain yeah. extent. Um, and I think that it'll be kind of... <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> yeah, we haven't, we, actually we seen haven't it. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have high hopes for Taika Waititi. Imagine if it's, it's like... Um, listening, listeners listening back in a year's time are like, well... It's like, guys, <laughs> are you looking forward to Taika Waititi directing Thor 4? Well, he's no longer. (laughs) (laughs) His good friend Chris Hemsworth showed up to the screening of Jojo Rabbit and was like, nobody must ever see this. (laughs) But uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already with regards to Life is Beautiful? Anything that sort of jumped out or any, even like particular scenes, beats, choices? Any elements? I'm just thinking about what do you think? I got nothing off the top of my head. Like, as in, I think we got into way way more than I even anticipated. Like, as in, I anticipated and remember some stuff. Just remembering things from like English class, like isn't like in terms of like the setups, like you were saying with the grandmother, that I didn't cop that that was like a setup, but like as in when you look back, it's like oh yeah, that's, something's definitely gonna happen. There. A turning point of us. Yeah. yeah. So you you were already beyond my scope, <laughs> which I'm enjoying. So yeah. But even like you know, it was like watching two different films, you know, from the first half, second half, um, and that was in a certain way disappointing because you're you're enjoying the kind of like the, the kind of context which is quite comedic in the first half and like, you know, it's quite likable and everyone else in the film is. But I mean, um, it, it's a difficult thing, as you mentioned, to kind of transition to that kind of darker narrative. But I mean, um, a decent attempt, but I mean, it's hard to, not, to navigate those waters as it is. Oh, yeah. You I know? mean, you got to put someone slack when they're doing something like I that. I think even it's like, you know, a dangerous thing to do. I, I definitely give it points for trying to do that. And I mean, I did do it with some, some degree of success. Um, but yeah, I mean... I was quite surprised at the end when, when, when he did die. I mean, I thought he would probably make it out, but I mean, I was quite sad, obviously. Um, and in general, it it kind of tweaked your emotions in interesting ways, as you say. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he could have killed the kid. Like, is it, did we say that earlier? In well, well, the one, there was an argument between yeah. the historical advisor and Benini. But Benini didn't want to kill anyone, and he was like, "You have to kill someone." Benini wanted to kill the father, and I, mean, like, I don't know how you could have killed. The but kid. I, I, if I feel you like the kid would be such a but, depressing. But, 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 I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like that might have been, you know more reflective of kind of like the enormity of and again I, this isn't my experience i don't want to talk I about exactly that in that sense yeah. you know but in terms of like the holocaust as an experience that is and and like mel brooks sort of said it there and again this isn't my and i'm kind of cautious about wading into it but mel brooks is like you don't get over being in a concentration camp um and that sort of sense of 
Like, if you kill the son, you make the point that no matter how hard you try to protect your kids from how horrible the world is, there are some things that are so enormous and so terrifying and so beyond the scope of human Can't comprehension and experience. And the film sort of alludes to that. Like the, like, Very I few mean, movies want to make that point, though. I, I know. That the world is a difficult place, but ultimately there is no hope. In this very specific situation, you want to balance the movie that, with the the audience. Yeah, you don't want to give up the the story, so to yeah. speak. No, no, I mean, I, I get it, and I mean that's that's the thing where I get the like as cynical as as I might have sounded earlier when I talked I about asked you by the way the way in did which you cry there. I did not, oh. um, but the way in which the the film sort of does the the bodies in the mist and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I was maybe a little bit cynical early on, and I kind of still am. Where I'm talking about like the way it it obscures to a certain extent the level of the horror, but like that works that sequence works because it captures the unimaginable scale of it have you guys seen uh son of salt oh yeah that was my next point actually yeah, yeah. my favorite uh, uh, film on the holocaust was son of salt yeah. i mean par- partly because it was so it was so like you know in the actual kind of state of how it was with, with salt it was quite silent in the whole film as well but i mean that was graphic and it worked because it was graphic i think yeah. um but i mean i think that it, it didn't really emphasize this film how dehumanizing it was because even like you know in the line he was talking to his son and it wasn't like, you know, he wasn't shot on instant. It was just like, you know, he was behaving as he was normally in some ways. But I mean, they, they, they talk to the prisoners, they kind of like dealt with them. It wasn't like, you know, this kind of uh, dismissive, degrading, dehumanizing treatment that was there. I mean, it was quite, I think, kind of underselling how brutal it actually was, which I think is, is irresponsible. I don't know, but I mean, it's definitely not quite, it's quite incomplete, I think. Yeah. You know, I think well, you, I mean, you might have to make sacrifices in that. Yeah, like, as yeah. In, sometimes you can't hit this as hard if you want to hit this. As well. And, and you also, you also can't show. I mean, I would argue you could show Son of Soul to children, but you, most people would argue that you shouldn't. I mean, the thing with Son of Soul that does rather well, and why I was kind of thinking of it in that example, is because so much of the movie is shot in intense close up on Saul himself yes. because he's focusing on what he need, immediately needs to do. And there's the moment where you get the shot of the bodies. And that kind of almost reminded me a bit of this, where you had the the bodies, the pile of bodies, the mountain of bodies that were obscured by kind of mist and by fog because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to fathom that to a certain extent. It's impossible it's to, to kind of quantify it in, in human experience, but it's still there. Um, and like, that's kind of, that's why I, I kind of wonder if the movie had killed the child instead, had made the point that you know, despite all, all the work that Guido did to protect him and doing everything he can in his power, everything that a parent can, that sometimes these things exist um, and they don't, they can't be beaten with, beaten, you know, beaten, they can't be reasoned with, they can't be negotiated with, they can't be compromised, they can't nature. be, they you, just, you, are, well, yeah, you can't, nature, you can't not pay off that tank though. Like the movie would have to be quite different. Well, you could pay off the tank. You could have the tank arrive and have it be this really bleak sort of almost like. Have you seen the mist? You could have it be a tiger tank, like the the uh, Nazis, Nazis kind of um, um, uh, marching out of, of, of. Well, you could have Guido like, Guido greeting the tank and realizing that his prize for like his son has finally arrived, even though his son isn't there, mm-hmm. and have it be a heartbreaking, tragic moment. Mm-hmm. And too late. Yeah, too yeah. late. Um, I think you could do it that way. But again, this is this is a hypothetical. We're we're discussing no, a movie yeah. that doesn't exist. You know, I mean. Yeah, and I tried to do that too. Would say kind of like, would it be better if they were up in the kind of rafters, kind of hiding from the? Yeah. Like, you no, know, I feel like you know, for accuracy, if the kid was killed, I assume he'd be killed on arrival, essentially, because like you know, yes. if you're like you know, if you 
can't and work. We're too old. I guess you're like separated and instantly going to the gas chamber. So in that case, it would have come early enough. And like you know, he was like hanging around there in the kind of bedroom for a while. So I think that in that case, it would have been a lot more instantaneous if that happened in yeah. real life. You know, so that was quite sad in a different way. You know, and yeah, it's it you 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 kind of discover as well that. Uh, Dr. Lessing probably saved Guido because he was like, oh, he's a good waiter. Yeah. Mm. Not, not, not because... Uh, I like him or yeah, he's a good person. Because there's an implication in that so. scene that most of the people in that room were... Going to be exterminated. Uh, and uh, were exterminated. Yeah. Yeah. And that Guido was spared. Yeah. But the thought is that he was spared because of some kind of affection from... Yeah. Uh, as rather, opposed to not as, yeah. as you can see. I think, because uh, you were talking about that book, Man's Search for Meaning earlier on, I think that was one of the things is like if you have like a tool or a use or I think there's also another famous book that it's come out recently the uh, the tattoo the tattooist of Auschwitz I think it is and it's like basically the people who were who had certain skill sets if you were a doctor or a tattoo artist or something you could last longer there was there was that common thing is like if you have that ability if you can basically contribute in a way that most other people can't yeah. you mm. could have lasted because yeah. a lot a lot of his role was um um, in the concentration camp was giving giving meaning to other people and the story is about how people um people died regardless but the people who who um who were who were able to flourish and had a better chance of surviving in the concentration camps were the ones who had some kind of a hope or a purpose mm. and the one one once some of them lost that they weren't uh, long for the world um yeah is there anything else you want to discuss? Anything that we haven't discussed already with regards to Life is Beautiful? I can't think of one. Yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss. Uh, perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining us. At the end of the podcast, we typically ask guests to recommend something for listeners that they might enjoy. Uh, but also, we might talk a little bit about sort of disconnected talk a little bit. So where can we find you guys and, and where are you available online? Um, so I suppose we're on YouTube, obviously, and... Uh... And Podbean, Spotify, and um, Instagram too, Facebook. So yeah, nice. So you're yeah. you're all over the the internets. Yeah, we have all the Twitters. Podbean's brilliant. The lap, spread across most yeah. of most of the apps by themselves. Yeah. And the then, information uh, superhighway. <laughs> yes. And uh, so yes, it's disconnected TK on Twitter, disconnected talk on Instagram, oh, cool. and uh, we're kind of we're we're trying to put together a regular. Uh, uh, so like at the moment, this is the most routine thing we have is our own little podcast that we do, which is. Uh, it's just the issues of the week type thing, you know, and it's not necessarily that we that we resonate that we sit on the issues, but what kind of conversations those issues lead us to, mm-hmm. and, like, and it's a lot. It's it's entirely unscripted, like I said. We don't do it. We don't. In a free flowing. Yeah. Unlike this, where you're reading from a script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners well, don't know. We had to audition three chairs for this podcast. But like, this uh, is chair two. <laughs> but like, in in the sense in the sense that I mean that. Um, when we started out, we were like, okay, it's so far into the podcast, we want to hit this, this, and this. Oh, yeah. Right. And it was yeah, just yeah. like, we, 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 we had an idea of tight structure. <laughs> we did. Well. Our plan was originally that our app podcast was going to be an hour long. We were going to spend 10 minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, and round out with 10 minutes on that. Um, <laughs> he says yeah. an hour and 40 minutes into this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, we learned to freewheel it is probably the best. How way. about four hours in this topic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And other ones, too. Yeah. Um, but no, so that, that's cool. And you guys release sort of is it weekly? We're trying to get weekly more. episodes going out now. We're gonna do another. We're gonna record another one today, and hopefully oh. get that out by uh, I don't know, probably Monday. Which it's hard to. Tell. Well, keep in mind that it will probably already be out by the time people are listening to this. That's a good point. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when we record it later on, we'll probably just we'll talk about it, but we won't really do much. 
kind of spoilery type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Leave that all to you, lads. Guessing, really. you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, all right then. And if there's anything you'd like to recommend for listeners, anything that you think listeners should sort of uh, try, maybe Andrew. Oh, myself. Um, two things I mentioned during the podcast: v- Victory Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is a, is is not only a very important book, but a but but a very well written book, very kind of um, uh, uh, compelling. Going through that whole story, and then finding at the end this kind of elucidation, um, uh, 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 kind of explicitly of 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 what logotherapy is and 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 how it works and what the sort of kind of um, answers are for it because it, it's 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 an interesting um kind of a mixture of um an esoteric work and an exoteric work um that it that it that it's that it's esoteric on, on, on until the last kind of few chapters where it actually gets into the kind of um uh like a treatise on, on and sort of summarizing you know, yeah yeah what exactly. the actual point of what you read was yeah where where you've been reading about uh, the uh, concentration camps kind of up until that point and then the the final final two are kind of a practical distillation of 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 of, of the Discerning. whole kind of idea it's about helping people yeah. so the the, the uh, and the other thing that i mentioned i'm more of a fraud for recommending this because i'm not kind of um it's not a book that I've that I've read kind of like cover cover to cover, um, like with 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 man search and remain. Not that I'm an expert on that either. But another book that I would recommend because I have enjoyed it, uh, is Schopenhauer's uh, World is in English it's either World is Will and Idea. Sometimes it's World is Will and Representation, depending on the kind of uh, translation. translation. Of yeah, because um, it is um, it is very well uh, 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 written. I think the the ver- the edition I had had a introduction by David Berman, oh. uh, or um, our, uh, um, who's um, who's not Irish but does teach in Ireland, um, and would have taught me. So oh, cool! I'd, so I'd, it's a I'd, small world. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'd 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 I'd, I'd recommend that. Um, um, actually, worth noting. Actually, just uh, sorry to to bring it back. One of the things that I I noticed that I want to point out. Bit of trivia that I think people here might appreciate. Mm. The plot point that has uh, Guido trading um, riddles uh, with Lessing, yes. that's taken from Benini's own life. Apparently he trades riddles by mail with uh, Umberto Eco. Really? Wow, yeah. Um, yeah. With Umberto Eco? Umberto Eco. They that's apparently incredible. quite enjoy sort of trading these things through mail with one another. I Yeah, if we're, if we're talking Umberto Eco, I'd have to recommend The Name of the Road as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> It's a, no, it's tremendous. No, I, I know it is. Um, it's, 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 have you seen the film, the Sean Connery? Adaptation? I have not. Okay. Is it worth? Is it worth a watch? No, it, it, Darren's making a face. It's interesting. Uh, but it's a face. For yeah, for for, <laughs> for people listeners too. who like a kind of a mixture between kind of um, history and um, yeah, yeah, between between kind of like a, a scholastic monk and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Um, kind That's of this uh, kind of a, a, a very in tights or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very kind of an erudite um, whodunit kind of <laughs> yeah. story. Um, and in terms of what I'd recommend myself, um, given that I've been relatively critical of Life Is Beautiful, I'd recommend Son of Saul, um, okay. a recent sort of uh, Holocaust movie um, that. And again, it's weird to say recommend because um, I mean none of these are particularly fun to watch. Uh, but I do think it was fantastic. It barred up laughs. Yeah, yes. it's, it's worthy. Hard to, I'm not, I'm not gonna yeah, worthy, but without the without the connotation. Important, though, I think, to yeah. see. Um, and also the documentary Shoah, which I haven't watched in over a decade, and I don't think I ever will again. But in terms of, of coverage of the Holocaust, it was uh, 
something very profound and made a big impact on me and would recommend that. Well, I would encourage people to seek that out. That uh, would be how I'd phrase that. Um, and if you guys have anything you'd like to re- recommend, actually, um, for listeners. Or- All right. Are you, yeah. 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 I mean, it's a deviation, but I mean, I actually watched two foreign language films last night. One called The Raid from Indonesia. Oh, oh The Raid is amazing. I, I didn't see it before. Seen, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's, uh, yes. I think, about 2011, I think it was. Yeah. Um, action great pacing it's, well, it's actually well made I think it was a Welsh director actually made it who lives in yeah, Indonesia yeah. yes it was um, unbelievable bit of fun for like about two hours or so um, I did watch it, it Man Evans as well after that Garrett Edwards Evans I think it is Evans. I think it's Evans yes. yeah. Edwards sorry. is the other one yeah, yeah sorry Monsters. yes yeah, um, no, no. I finally saw It Man too oh. I, I watched it in Mandarin and Cantonese which is quite fun to kind of remember some of the words but yeah, yeah. is Mike um, Tyson in It Man 3 Mike Tyson oh no in It Man I'm in the film yeah um but it was so fun though i mean i mean p- people should watch more films in different languages and people like you know have a thing about like you know reading stuff on the, on the screen but i mean just try to invest in it because it is worthwhile in so many cases yeah was really it's, it's a big kind of like you know it's a thing like you know oh you know effort of that but i mean it's it's so often worth it you know well the, the raid is one of my fondest cinematic memories is watching the raid in what used to be screen one in the Savoy at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday at the Dublin Film Festival with an audience that was very into it it mm, was yeah. it's amazing it's one of my favorite cinematic sort of memories um, was that like, a surprise no 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 that was that was um, that wasn't one of the because they do that they, they do the surprise yeah. films as well no that was something that was out of time and it was made very clear that if you want to get a ticket you need to book a ticket early for it yeah um because it was going to be a highlight and i mean like you know i usually avoid kind of action type films so in that sense it was kind of combat hand-to-hand close-up shots all well done um i think the main actor in that was the person who kind of choreographed the whole violence too which is fantastic to see his kind of uh, kind of versatility in that sense but i mean you go away is it? Is that i think say? so yeah it was made on a budget of uh, a million dollars, I think, which in that case did quite well. Yeah. It did quite well in that case. Um, it, the plot is very similar to the plot of Dread, which was released a couple of years later. Um, and Uwe is popping up in other stuff. He's in uh, Stuber. He's the bad guy in oh, Stuber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was at the it. moment yeah. as well, yeah. um, of all things. He's sort of branching out at the moment. I think, I think the main guy was in uh, Mile 22 with Mark Wahlberg, apparently, recently yes, enough, which yes. is interesting. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, which is, is something. And yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's. Mile 22. 22. What? Um, no. It's a sequel to Mile 21 and a it's prequel like, to Mile 23. Say hello to your mother. And <laughs> that, yeah. The, yeah. The, and, mile, t- um, mile 22 is... What a, he would do on 9-11. Yeah. yeah. It combines... Yeah. Mile 22 combines all your Mark Wahlberg Just kind of desires yeah. into one thing. It's, it's yeah. indulgent fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Man, fire's there. What? A Mark Wahlberg, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's that's a moment really, where he has... That's really good. Yeah. He has like a, a Kaiser Sose moment where Uwe says to him, Say hi to your mother for me, and <laughs> yeah. Mark, and you just get a reaction shot of Mark Wahlberg's eyes widening as if to say, "Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, that's my line." Yeah. Um, anyway, so that, that's about it. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be continuing our season of the summer ninety nine. We'll be taking a look at uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Hopefully, with Abu Patel and also with Jack, and maybe if we can wrangle it, Chris. Uh, we don't make too many promises. No, uh, with disrespect. We, but uh, and if you're a Southern fairy. <laughs> get in touch too because so far we've only northern monkeys yeah uh, lined up for this but we're really looking forward to that as well thank you very much for joining us guys thank you too uh, we'll, great being here we'll hopefully have you back on sometime soon maybe around I think October because you guys have a, you guys, yeah we have a, another film that you guys are very eager to talk about I, lo- I love the kind of your brand is Holocaust movies and you ball movies you will enjoy it probably <laughs> <laughs> thanks a million bye thank you bye